Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Star Wars Episode 9 The Rise of Skywalker, starring Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Adam Driver, directed by J.J. Abrams. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films, and don't be fooled, there's not an imposter in Jesse's seat. It's still him. Ripley. S- some, somehow I've lost my voice again. Can you believe it? I've, I've never been this sick in a year before, Matt. This is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm shocked that it happened again. <laughs> I, I hope it doesn't last for a month like the other one did. I don't, I, 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 I don't think it will, but... Poor guy was in bed on Christmas, Rye Nation. There you go. Send some love to Jesse. Excellent, thank you. But uh, it's a big day today. We're closing our film review cask uh, in a galaxy far, far away. We've been touching on the original trilogy and now uh, 2019's last big release, The Rise of Skywalker. Not only closing out, uh, you know, the Skywalker saga for good, hopefully, uh, but we're closing out uh, the last uh, film review for Rice Smile Films in 2019. So we're, we're ending with a bang. And as with the last couple of weeks, we're being joined by two guests to kind of share the love with us. Uh, being joined today by Nate and Shane. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? All right, I'm Nate. Uh, big fan of you guys, of course. I've been friends with Jesse for almost 20 years now. So well, mm-hmm. good to be here. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And uh, I'm Shane. Um, I'm a big, big fan of the podcast and uh, also a friend of Jesse's uh, and of Matt's. And uh, we, uh, I've been watching movies for a long time. <laughs> There's your prerequisites for watching movies for a long time. Oh shit, have them on. Excellent. So Matt, why don't you go ahead and pour us some from we're going from the skull decanter, but this is actually the iron root that okay. you brought two weeks ago. Yep. We just have a plethora of whiskeys right now. Don't we have three bottles working at the same time? Yeah, right so now? yeah, we gotta we gotta start putting some dents in some of these here. Nothing says the holidays like finishing up all the whiskey you have around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the family's still sticking around. Pour me another one, please. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would you stiff on there, brother? Thank you, Matt. Yep. Cheers, gentlemen, to a, a late Merry Christmas to you all and Cheers for being everybody. here today. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. one. What do you, what do you think that of that? Good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that was, that was a new unveiling a couple weeks ago, and that, that one has a pretty interesting taste to yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Are you much of a whiskey drinker, Shane? Um, I, I enjoy whiskey. I don't know that much about it. Okay. Um, describing it. I, th- I feel like I describe 90% of whiskeys as smoky. So I was about to say <laughs> this one is smoky. I don't know if that's an accurate uh, way to describe it, but I, I, I enjoy uh, whiskey, yes. Okay. We're going to break down heroin, though. That's a whole other plethora of ways to describe right? A deep well of knowledge. <laughs> Excellent. I'm your guy. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> we got you for the heroin and the and the movie knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> I like movies and heroin. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so as we know on Rise Smile Films, when we have a guest, that half the job is to bring the flight and nightcap questions. So uh, we got the nightcap one covered. It was kind of posed last week, so I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that at the end of the episode but we have a pretty interesting uh, flight question so nate why don't you go ahead and hit us with that all right so my question is now that the skywalker saga is over 
what would you like to see made from the history of Star Wars? You can adapt it from the games, books, your own thing, whatever you want. What do you want to see? Some untapped corner of the galaxy that we'd like to see on film next. Matt, why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay. Um, I know you're not a fan of this character. We spoke about this a couple weeks ago. And I know you don't love the Huts, Jesse. I thought you were going to go with Bib Fortuna. <laughs> well, it's not too far from it. I mean, in their employ. It might be a capo regime to where I'm going with this. In fact, probably is in mm-hmm. real life, mm-hmm. uh, in real Star Wars fake life. I want to see a Casa Nostra mafia related Hut story that sort of brings the reverence that he, as Jabba, has introduced. In Return of the Jedi, and not played out like we went into, but the sort of missed opportunity that that was. How did that slob get to that position where mm-hmm. he has this cadre of evildoers yeah. that all seem at his beck and call? Now, I don't know if you carve up the galaxy into neighborhoods, but I've always loved that feudal structure of Cosa Nostra or Mafia mm-hmm. based on the Knights of the Round Table, adapted from the High Middle Ages and then moved into. You know, <clears throat> what happened in Sicily and then later in the United States with uh, immigration in the 1920s and such. Using prohibition as the vehicle there, but I think what could be the vehicle in this one, and I'm going to touch on this later a little bit, would be the hijacking of kyber crystals. Because I think that there's an element of scarcity to that, and they certainly are valuable. And I just think that there's a story, and I don't know if it's warring hut clans or if it's a bunch of different number clans that kind of go at it and the huts rise to power. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I just think that's such a missed character. Um, He's got to be more than the choked out fatty with the hot chick and the slave girl outfit. Yeah. You know, he's got, there's more to it than that. Maybe his toy would be cooler too. Yeah. 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 So that's what I'm going to go with a, a mafia S tale. Um, or four with the huts. I like that. Yeah. Maybe uh, death sticks. Maybe that's his his vice. Um, yeah, he's in the death sticks. Death sticks. That hasn't been fully explored. Okay. <laughs> the death stick man. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my answer. Uh, I want to get into the death. No, not not death sticks. Okay. <laughs> um, but my is it my turn. Mm-hmm. Do I? Um, one thing. I was talking to my brother about this a little bit. So this is may technically be his idea. Uh, but I wanted to see more of, uh, more pod racing, um, of like just getting into different genres of Star Wars. Um, like not everything necessarily needs to be a a swashbuckling, uh, space opera, even though it does take place in space. There are lots of planets where lots of things Mm -hmm. can happen. So I think it'd be interesting to see what other genres can be explored like matt's idea of of a, a crime story sure um and it would be cool to have kind of a, a rivalry racing story mm-hmm. uh with with pod racers because <laughs> um, that was the sort of thing that uh especially in episode one obviously the highlight of episode one uh being the pod race scene but also seeing all these different characters mm-hmm. and kind of the what i consider the prequels equivalent of the like cantina scene of like oh we're just scratching the surface we just see all of the like each one of these weirdos is from a different planet well they had their own flags they each have their own story like so much lore just made up just for the scene um but they can be fully explored in in another type of story 
Awesome. I've been pretty high on the prequels for some reason in these flight questions <laughs> and pod racing last week, so to speak. So, yeah, I'd like to see some, some more of that. The design of, of those movies is still good. Mm-hmm. If it, as, as rotten as the scripts can be at times, the, yeah. it, it is designed with the, with the polish of, of the original trilogy. Sure. Excellent. Good choices so far. Nate, right. what do you got? So, I'm a big fan of like the games and the books and all that. I deep dive into all that to stuff. To the extended right? universe. Yes. I love the extended universe. <laughs> yeah. It made me mad that Disney decided not to make the extended universe canon. Yeah. yeah. The legacy stuff. Yeah, the legends is what they call oh, it, yeah. right? Yeah. So There's one right there. Yeah, there is one right there. <laughs> There's a, a time period in the history of Star Wars which they call the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's anybody like me who listens to this, which I'm sure there is, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. My favorite character from Star Wars canon, his name is Darth Revan. He's this Jedi who goes from good to bad to good again. It is, his story arc is just fantastic. Okay. If you ever played Knights of the Old Republic, oh, yeah. remember the original game? Oh, yeah. Remember the, the spoiler mm-hmm. of the game? You are Darth Revan in that game. Mm-hmm. You, you are taking his journey of he lost his memory, he came back, and he became the Sith Lord. And then Bastila Shan was this Jedi master who he fell in love with. Love is forbidden, right? But they fell in love with each other, and he turned back to the good. It brought him back. But I think it'd be a cool, maybe a trilogy. I think it'd be kind of neat if they could flesh it out big enough. Hmm. But and to kind of see a generation, you know, before the Galactic right. Empire, yeah, before the Old Republic, it was the height of the empires. Both of them was the Republic and the Sith. You know, there's thousands of sith warriors thousands of jedi almost like armies so to yeah, speak yeah armies and they're patrolling the universe that's awesome yeah <laughs> like a, like I, th- I think that 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 could look good and for those did you ever play knights of the old republic i started it and got frustrated with the combat okay what about <laughs> it, you matt it's a little slow <laughs> i've never played that it was, I, it was, I did well, used to like a game called robot helix though yeah <laughs> It was plug for yeah. the man on my left. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was one it was one of those. Iron yeah, it was. Oh, one, I am. Sorry, it was one of those Fantastic. first ones where like you truly got to like make your own decisions, and if you wanted to go bad, man, you could go bad. Yep. But if you wanted to stay good, it all left in your decision making. Open which, world RPG. Yep. Kind of yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they also wrote a book on them too called Revan, and it it takes it's about three hundred pages. It's small. That's awesome. But it's good. That, that does seem to be the like expanded universe, like the most uh, uh, revered expanded universe stuff. Yeah. I'd say even like more so than like the TV series. Yeah. I'd say I like I mean, people really like the story of those games. Yeah, is that Zon Nate that did that? Wrote that story, or is that out of Zon's hands and into somebody else's? Do you know? I don't know offhand. I can get back to you on that. What's one. the name of the book? Where it's called Revan. Revan. I'll look it up. We'll look it up right now. Yeah. Liking all these choices so far, gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and go with mine. So, we love Jedi. We can't get enough of them. We go we go get crazy about the lightsaber. We got to see more of it. So, something we just, we know, we've seen a little bit of, of it with the training of younglings and whatever training Luke got on Dagobah. But what if we saw, like, at the actual Jedi Academy? And this is another thing they've made games of. Yeah. But I want to, like, a Jedi Academy that's almost, like, tournament style think maybe along the lines of something like the Hunger Games or Enter the Dragon, maybe even the Karate Kid with like a sensei or I don't, I don't know, like 
just something where we see some adolescent youth. I'm not talking like a high school movie, but like something that has like a tur- tournament element built in where we can kind of beckon down to like a winner. Yeah. Of some sort. Cutthroat. Yeah. It's very in- incredibly competitive. Yeah. That'd be cool. But then kind of learning the path of the Jedi, like, well, like, what does a Jedi class look like? What are they talking about in those seminars? Like, Yeah, something we never saw in the prequels that really we should have seen. Exactly. Based on how much of Coruscant we saw. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah, great choice. I like That's all awesome. those choices, I, especially probably from the conversation we're going to have today. Obviously, there's going to be more Star Wars films after after this one. It's too hot of a property to just leave it in the corner and Absolutely. left alone. You know, we're seeing a lot of that with, you know, The Mandalorian now on on uh, on Disney Plus. And I think it's just a lot of untapped potential. But it's just, what can we do that hasn't been seen before? Because a lot of what this film we're going to talk about today is like, it's a lot of the familiar. Mm-hmm. And so I th- think time now more than ever. So cheers. I love all those choices, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That was good. So let's get right to what we're here for and our review breakdown of The Rise of Skywalker. Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker opens up with our famous opening scrawl with a couple words that just are explicated by an exclamation mark. The dead speak. What do we think of this? Like, I, I was already like, I was already kind of like, already like backing up into my seat a little bit. Where like, the opening scrawl alone felt like such a backtread on the last film, and just already addressing Palpatine in text and it's it show it's it's telling us and not really showing us like this emergence and to me this felt like the biggest cop out to like start a film was like oh yeah you remember that big villain that we've had in, in the last or few movies uh, Return of the Jedi and the prequels yeah he's been alive this whole time and we're getting that through Skrull I think this is pretty weak I I to to its credit I did like that they introduced they reintroduced palpatine at the beginning and didn't have it be this thing this like mysterious thing throughout the movie where everybody knew what was happening mm-hmm. which I, I was expecting that i was expecting it to be a like third act reveal that like he's behind it all and for it to be very underwhelming because we knew that we knew from the trailer and from all the marketing that he was there. So instead they let, they revealed it and then let it develop from there as opposed to just kind of teasing us along for a movie for what I would consider wasted movie up until that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was kind of in a, in a small way, pleasantly surprised that they brought it it in in the beginning, not so much in the opening crawl because you should show, not tell, but I like that they open the opening scene was that, mm-hmm. but but going back to not to get ahead of ourselves with the with the crawl. What do you think of this, Matt? You know, I, I think that Star Wars as a franchise has gotten away with murder for the beginning because it is exposition to get you caught up on all the years that we don't have the time or efforts to bother to tell you. I think the idea of Palpatine being revealed is already done in the trailer because we hear his laugh. My hope was that we would have the tie to the Plagueis myth that was discussed from Senator uh, Palpatine. Yeah. 
whatever film that was clones two yeah, three, three, three was that menace whatever that whichever one it was um because we sort of alluded to there is an ability if you can tap into it to come back from the dead and i guess he's done it but here's my thing about that i i hear what you're saying as far as maybe it's revealed and it's a letdown you know, midway or turning point of act two or wherever we have it in the beats. And maybe it's a letdown. Just like, oh man, it's that guy. Or maybe you get at the beginning and I think you get what Star Wars has suffered from from me in total since the death of Vader. And I mean, Return of the Jedi, death of Vader, not the prolonging the agony with first ghosts and shit. I mean, like really like <laughs> dead. They've never established <clears throat> a cadre or canon of villains that can even come close to the weakest of Jedis. Like, I will say this. I think Ren is handled better in this film, except for maybe a few moments in the previous film, than they've done with anything regarding him. Mm -hmm. But is anybody here before me thinking that Ren is any kind of a match for anyone on on the good side? He just seems like a petulant... Tantrum, temp, temper tantrum thrower. I think I would have rather have seen them gone that route than digging for some old garbage in the trash compactor. Like, it, it just seems like something that either A, had to be introduced in the last film as some type of twist ending, like, oh, the Emperor's been, he's the one pulling the strings. Like, and it, no, here is just kind of given to us, and we have to accept it because it's the start of the film. They're like, yeah, I guess he's been around the whole time. I just don't think they needed to go this emperor route for this film at all. Like, Nate, what do you think of the emperor's inclusion in this film? So I think they should have done something. If they were going to go this route, which they did, I think they should have done something in the last movie. Kind of set it up a little bit. Yeah. Because it's just kind of like thrown in your face. The emperor's voice is heard all across the galaxy. Like, okay. Um I guess he's back. <laughs> That'd be such a crazy scene to see. Right. <laughs> that they hide from us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Long live the dark side. Right. Like, what does that look like? That that would look cool, probably. Yeah, or like, sound cool. Because he's, like, projecting it. So it's, like, telekinesis type stuff. So everybody's, like, hearing it in their mind. Right? Only Leia could hear it in her mind? Right. Maybe only those who were force, you know. Yeah. But even just, like, somebody's reaction to that. Yeah, would be incredible to see, yeah. mm-hmm. and they do, they don't give us that. Right. Instead, we're just treated to the scroll, and then we're immediately given Kylo Ren, who's on chase, who's kind of obtained the, these uh, Sith wayfinders, which you know once you kind of plug these into like this GPS, you can find the location of the MacGuffin of all MacGuffins. <laughs> can I tell you what planet he's on? What? Yeah. Pl- what? He's on Mustafar. At the beginning? Yeah. Really? He's going through Vader's old castle. That's where he finds the it. one in Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, that's where he finds oh, it. Oh, <laughs> awesome! They don't tell you that, which they oh, should have. You see, they don't. Yeah, not right, enough because they always tell you like what planet you're going to. But this time they didn't, so it's like, oh, he's on this fiery planet killing people. Mustafar's <laughs> one of the eight planets in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I wish that had been told to us, or right. had been more clear. <laughs> Instead, yeah, the, the, we're going on this MacGuffin chase and plugging in coordinates to find him on some like Antarctic ice planet. Thunderstorm planet, cavern of strobe lights. Blue planet. (laughs) I think this is really important. Yeah. Because this is the crux of what the story in this film is. Mm -hmm. Finding Palpatine's hidden planet. 
That's the simple story to be told in this movie. And then it is the quest to get there and then the penultimate showdown. That's what this movie is. Mm -hmm. Like at its base level, that is the story that the rise of Skywalker means to tell. Now, the branches that are going to come out of this are interesting and I know we'll get into some of them and there's no possible way Mm -hmm. unless we're going to make a six episodic podcast on this that we can cover all of those false leads or MacGuffins as you so happily said. (laughs) But that's the basic story is we have to find these GPS devices from Sithville to get us to Sith Castle. Mm -hmm. That's like, okay. Sithville to Sith Castle. (laughs) Look, I mean, as archetypally erect as star wars is that is the quest i mean we're talking pure campbell again right Mm -hmm. the hero's quest it's literally a quest to find hidden fortress oh wait a minute hidden fortress (laughs) (laughs) huh yeah that's weird how that kind of just worked its way in (laughs) and that's like to me that's that's really puzzling and I, i can't even say right now before you guys i'm even sure what i think about how this plays out because i don't think that's an entirely terrible story. We can say sure, we said about sure. Palpatine. Yeah. He is a really good bad guy. Right? I yeah. mean, no one's going to say right. that. Just yeah. from his from his title, I think. <laughs> just, <laughs> not necessarily from anything he's done, but just because the the movies have been telling us he is the bad guy. Yeah. Um, which is fine, which is really all we need from like what is at its heart a, a pulp series. Indeed. Yeah, so it's but do we agree? I mean, isn't that the that is the, yeah. the through line of this story? And that's yeah. not bad. I was no. most excited about the story when they were talking about how are we going to find this hidden place yeah. in the galaxy because that hasn't been anything that we've explored in Star Wars before. Right. Everybody yeah. seems to know where everything is and they're able to chart courses to wherever they want. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, and the fact that you're looking for a, a, a needle in a haystack in the galaxy to to even find the villain. Uh, is is compelling at its at its core. I agree. What is that planet's name? Not Mustafar, but this one where uh, Exegol. Yeah, Exegol. What? Exegol. Like Exodus. Yeah. But not. Mm-hmm. Okay. In yeah. the in the Exegol. Unknown <laughs> yeah, excellent. It's a cool looking place. Oh, it's awesome. And a bunch of machines and creatures working on stuff and you know, Palpatine shows up hooked up to wires and cables and uh, an apparatus of yeah. some sort. He's looking yeah. like look, somebody run with that. No, no, he's look, he's looking like he's he's looking like he looks like death from Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah, like he doesn't look like the Emperor from the last films. Oh, he just looks like painted white. They did yeah. a lot less makeup on him this yeah. time for some reason. Yeah, he should have looked a little bit more dead. Yeah, I thought right. So you know, like you see his hand later on yeah you know, like his fingers missing so it's all like corroded away like yeah. they could have done that with his face a little bit more yeah or if they like, tried it, it was just yeah. yeah maybe disney's like nah right it, they did disneyfy it yeah. <laughs> interesting well you know the, the first kind of you know thing that's kind of revealed to us here is that he created supreme leader snoke as this kind of puppet to kind of train ren to bring him to this stage in his in right. his training to bring him so far to the dark side where he could use him as this pawn now what do you think of this because now we're kind of yeah. going back to the last film and is, kind of is barrel o snokes yeah <laughs> there's, there's 10 of them sitting in this <laughs> vial of fluid like, I, hmm, I, I don't know how i feel about that i think it <laughs> i i chalk it under the same sort of like retconning of which is a big topic not to introduce it but 
the retconning of uh, Last Jedi yeah. with kind of undercutting the importance of Snoke, which yeah. in a way Last Jedi did themselves. Uh, but it, it, it kind of, they did Snoke dirty in a way <laughs> of like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of him and also he doesn't matter anyway. Sure. There's a bit of a cop out. Yeah. I kind of went a little bit more reverence for Snoke, I think. <laughs> um, okay. As to, if, if for no other reason but to keep uh, the, his death in, uh, in Last Jedi a significant event. Sure. Star Wars for me has always had two very divergent t- like tracks, and one was the technology track, and then there was the Force track. And if those two ever came into conflict with each other, the Force was going to win out. It's why Han pulling a blaster and shooting Vader at the head of the table in Cloud City is laughable. And what's strangely occurred now is somehow the dark side through Palpatine, who is now being it almost looks like he's being harvested in some funny, weird post-mortem way, harnessing the last little bit of his power to kind of create essentially like a dark battery to imbue these genetically created Snokes so that they can do what exactly going forward? Create more Wrens on other planets? We've crossed the line of technology and force. And the force was always what trumped technology in this film. Luke, close your eyes, you're in the trench, let the force guide you. Um, All that, like put this shield on and use this lightsaber to take these little blasters as this thing is practical. Like the force has always won, whether it's good or bad. And now the force is subservient to technology. And that was so alarming and distracting for me in the film it really took me out of the scene to where i probably would be bugged with the snokes like you guys are talking about but i literally was just like what in the hell what is what this is place? he hooked to <laughs> yeah. yeah usb emperor palpatine right. what are we doing yeah you look yeah. like it was almost like matrix like yeah yes right. yeah <laughs> it's i i kind of in a way liked that liked that kind of um like spitting in the face of the force that the that the sith kind of do like their temptation is to not use technology to uh to whatever ends they like it 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 was a it's a perversion of of the force to use technology to to stay alive which upon reflecting on it more i thought was kind of an interesting turn for the sith which they haven't necessarily done like i mean you have things like the death star and and all of these which like one? Terrifying. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> which, which, <laughs> which all, all of them. Ter- oh, yeah. All terrifying, uh, terrifying technological weapons, and then using technology to stay alive. I think they describe it as like dark science or something like that, sure. in kind of a throwaway line, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Like the sci-fi part of my brain just woke up for a quick second mm-hmm. um, and was like, "Oh, sci-fi is the villain in this." <laughs> interesting. Those are really good points. Yeah. They are. They are. And. Man, I like it, and I want to go with you. I just because I, I agree with everything you said too, despite what I just said. Um, the line that hangs me up is in A New Hope, and it's the line when Vader walks in and he's sitting there at that essentially the table with all the admirals, and they're like, "Oh, you and your silly religion can't hold a candle to the power of." 
they set it up so well. And I think we've even talked about this. Like, I never thought that came to fruition the way I wanted it to in the series. It's just selfish. I mean, I, I, people will argue. And it's just my my own selfish belief on that. Mm-hmm. It never showed up. And then it showed up like what you're saying. I think all that's fair. It is a middle finger to the force. And, okay, why they do that with everything else. Why not here, too? I just wish it, for me, I wish it played better. Because I, I found myself really distracting. Not like all the plunging necklines and American hustle like cleavage that really ruined the film for me until I got to the wire that was hidden. But I found myself going back to that throughout the film over and over. Like, why, if this dude is this powerful, is he hooked up to this machine? He doesn't need to be. You've already set that up. Uh, I, yeah, but I yeah. do think your response is so. But, it, but it's interesting, though, because it, to be like the master of vader and to be like kind of the the galaxy's greatest you know force user on the on the dark side you know you you wouldn't need it you're 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 absolutely right like he would say everything that vader said in that new hope scene and then some so why does he then turn on on his own doctrine and to turn on both of us you know what else could someone say that's such low-hanging fruit easy to pick on this oh yeah you guys are so smart then why is vader alive by technology what is yeah, the force keep and that's also fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I guess I guess my summation in this is the delineation between the force and technology <laughs> is completely incoherent at this point because it's not consistent. Sure, and that's hard to do right. through yeah. eleven and, films and a generation, but it's totally incoherently inconsistent. And I'm over here, and I'm just like Palpatine in this movie is just complete bullshit. Like he <laughs> shouldn't even even be here. Like there's. Should have had more creativity to create either something more or had the the leap of faith to go with Ren as as your primary antagonist to not trudge through the garbage to pull this shit out again. That's just me. But he's given Kylo Ren a task to hunt down Rey, who's trying to complete whatever rest of the Jedi training she needs to be doing under under Leia. And so now that's kind of his quest at this moment. And then we cut immediately from that to Poe and Finn on this quest of sorts. Nate, I'd like you to run for this with this for a bit because you had some interesting comments to me about this sequencing of events. Sequencing of events. Okay. Well, number one problem with this movie is the pacing. It moves so damn fast. Yeah. Like three minutes, scene over. Let's go to the next planet. Three minutes, scene over. Next planet. Get in. Get in late. Get out early, or just don't fucking get in or out right. at all. Just, exactly. Yeah. You know, but I I enjoyed the sequence. You know where they're going through the. The like ice thing in space, you know, getting the thing for R two to suck in, and but, what do they call this? Hyperspace, ju- hyperspace or, jumping, or something like, or skipping, hyperspace skipping, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That was interesting. It was cool. Yeah, it was a neat idea because you know, like they brought in the thing in the Last Jedi with the where she rammed into the right people doing riskier things with ships, right, things that nobody had ever seen before. That like, oh, okay, we're allowed to do this now, kind mm-hmm. of. It was cool. Yeah. But pacing. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Well, that's part of it. So, yeah, this... You're, you're kind of frazzled, you know, watching. It's a lot to kind of comprehend. I, I am as well. So, I was like, oh, my God. Like, what's happening here? So, I looked at who wrote this film. So, J.J. Abrams was one of the co-writers and another gentleman. His name's Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio has some great notoriety. His first film that he ever wrote was Argo. I'm pretty sure... I think he won Best Adapted Screenplay for that. Wow. He followed that up with... Batman versus Superman, uh, Justice League, and then this. So, talk about films that are t- are jam packed with too much going on. 
it's kind mm-hmm. of what's taking place in this film yeah. right now. Yeah. Trying to do it all and the kitchen sink. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if you'll remember. Okay. Which name was first and how were they? Was it ampersand or was it comma or was it and? Do you remember how it was put out? Well, I think it was it was J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio. And then also story credit by Colin Trevorrow, the original director. So it they, doesn't even make sense to me because usually the way the sequencing goes on that is initial draft and then the cleanup hitman who comes in. Mm-hmm. If you've talked about this Terrio guy and these complex films that he seems to have a proclivity to produce, J.J. <laughs> Abrams finished. J.J. Abrams yeah. finished his draft. And they said, you know what this needs? This needs the Chris Terrio treatment. I mean, there is not enough beats in here. Yeah, we need more. We need... I know this is a three-hour-long film. We need seven hours of shit in this three-hour... Yeah. Get him in here. That's yeah. exactly what it felt like. Yeah, it mm-hmm. did. Like, you could have made three movies out of this one movie. Strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, real odd pacing. So then we're introduced to the then our final new character that we've been introduced to, which is Ray, who's... Um, what planet? What planet are we on here? Like it's. I'm gonna go with Tatooine because I feel like we always start. With, <laughs> we always start with her on Tatooine. Yeah, exactly. Oh, this that. other forest planet where, where she's training. Yeah. yeah, she's training with with Leia, which was cool to see. Like we talked about Leia last week. Now, my my heart getting was like we haven't seen enough of like the Jedi ness with Leia, and here's kind of like an interesting moment. But then, okay, let's talk about this now because Carrie Fisher has passed away since the filming of Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and it's felt like that too. Like, these scenes feel weird, and she kind of looked weird in some spots, and the placing of her and the sequencing of her scenes at times didn't make sense to me. And I know they're using old footage and combining it with some CGI, but it's distracting. Like, it's... What do you guys think of this? There's no right way to do it, I think. Like, to have her not in the movie would have been... Weird. Worse, yeah. I thought. Yeah, to yeah. kill her off off screen or to yeah. have her like you at the beginning killed off or or something like that. Because I think intent, this was originally intended to be her movie in the way that uh, Force Awakens was Han's movie and Last Jedi was Luke's movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can kind of tell that it, it felt like a bit of a, of a scramble. And I think given that, they didn't do a terrible job with it. It's distracting, but I, I'm at a loss for what else you could do, and I think it was done respectfully. Yeah, maybe just yeah. because 2019's been the year of like trying to de-age or like digitally yeah. manufacture performances. We saw it with the eight kids in it, uh, chapter two, and I think a little bit in, in Avengers End uh, Endgame and yeah. the films like The Irishman. It's just like it, we're not there yet, where I can just totally buy into it, like. Sure. It still looks kind of phony to me, but let's talk about Ray a little bit and kind of her current state right now, which is, you know, we kind of learned in the last film that her parents were nobodies, they were junk traders, that they kind of just, they abandoned her, but we're about to kind of get that all right back in the middle here. <laughs> she does matter. She does have a lineage of sorts. So Let me set you up because you've said this for the last couple of weeks. Okay. And I want you to go with this now. <clears throat> We come to find out that Ray is, in fact, Palpatine blood. Oh, we, don't we learn that in that opening six minutes, right? Um, he Palpatine like alludes that there's somebody out there. Like he says, like Ray matters to yeah. Ren, oh, okay, type thing. So but not why? Okay, I think Kylo's known this for a couple films. It certainly yeah. felt like it with the connectivity between the two of them in the Last Jedi. 
Anyway, so the cat's out of the bag, and we find out that this, as you've said so well, mm-hmm. this huge universe seems to now not evolve around one family, but two families, and it's so coincidental that it shrinks it, so go. Let's hear it. <laughs> Here's your rant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what the, what the hell? Be, just, just because, you know, we have to, it's the Skywalker saga, I get that. But like we have all these characters, all this, all these planets. I mean, we go visit like nine planets in this film, inhabited by millions upon billions of people, and somehow like everyone is just like the second cousin of someone else. Like it's it's, it's really quite jarring to me that the filmmakers, the producers, the people at Disney really think that this is going to get people excited, or they're just banking on nostalgia, because that's not what makes a compelling film. Uh, the original trilogy didn't have that going for, for for them until the inevitable twist, and then they had to do another twist in the next film. But I think we, we keep having to, like, we got to give them a name that they recognize, otherwise they won't be happy. I was happy in the last film when they were nobody, because it was it was proving that, you know, the Force doesn't have to be, it, it, it can be inherited. It can be, it's like almost like an X-Men, or an X-Men mutant gen kind of thing. Like, right. you're just, just born with random. it. Yes, exactly. And I thought that was an interesting concept, but no, it said screw that idea. You're you're my granddaughter, which is not explained really in this film how that's possible. <laughs> I had a big problem with that. Yeah. When the hell did Palpatine have a son? <laughs> yeah, no. It's around. Yeah, yes, but so what popped in my head for that is the midichlorians thing. Oh, good God! Did he create his son in some way? So what I picture in my mind is that he just raped a chick with midichlorians. Congratulations, you now have a son. That was always the fan theory with what happened to with Vader, right. with Anakin, right. when he, in episode one he is created. Yeah, when she <laughs> says there is there was no father, the fans try piece, try to piece it together and say, Oh, what if that was Palpatine right. you know, toying with the force and creating this child from nothing? Which I thought was interesting. But I but this uh Rise of Skywalker kind of shoots that down by saying, Oh no, he just has a a regular kid, <laughs> right? Like, no, and that would be great if they ex- expanded on it. They didn't right. even say what the name was, how it happened, who it was. Right. It's very frustrating. So then they bring the parents back into it. They've been trying to be to have been killed by by these spies, like when they were left Jakku and they left her behind. But Matt, yeah, to kind of just sum up what you, what you set me up with, it's very frustrating. Uh, to deal with like I, I just can't believe in nine films 11 films for that matter that all these people are skywalkers these people are related to palpatine that they all find a way to come in contact with each other and call it fake call it the force i call it lazy screenwriting whatever state you want to analyze palpatine to let's assume that it's legitimate and it's not metachlorian rape or let's just say it's legitimate there's no chance that his son or whomever was the direct lineage of his loins that then spawned um, Ray was just an average, ordinary... Right. Here's something for everybody out there in Rye Nation. There is no such thing as poor anybody in politics. That doesn't exist. Like That is for the elite from on high, and there is a position of privilege that goes with that once you've ascended it. So whether it's Senator Palpatine or Grand Chancellor Palpatine or whatever Palpatine... In my mind, there is no chance that they were junk traders down on Fifth and Central, slinging <laughs> car parts out of a hawk shop, 
hand to mouth paycheck bullshit. There's no way it's just what you said, Jesse. For me, yeah, it's just lazy writing. Yeah, yeah. it's such a thin strand to yeah. somehow tie this to. Oh, who can we tie Ray to? After the the backlash to, like, so many fans didn't like uh, Last Jedi. I disagree. I I liked it, mm-hmm. um, but it's just it's such a uh, writing by fan committee. Yeah. way yeah. that this movie was and that's, done and that's bullshit you shouldn't let the fans determine what film to make i, I, I that's why i like last jedi because brian johnson didn't feel the need to go the way of what you think's gonna happen he's like well i'm gonna take it in this direction and buckle up because it's not gonna be what you expect and there were some nice twists along the way yeah, like thank heavens yeah yeah it felt fresh it felt it, it, it felt good the monotony yeah so we kind of know our new quest now. Uh, there's a second Sith Wayfinder that Rey discovers uh, in Luke's uh, Jedi text that she kept uh, in the Millennium Falcon at the end of The Last Jedi. And so now we have our quest set up to, so to speak, go find this thing so we can find out where the Emperor is so we can wipe him out. Because he's got a... Again, the other thing too, like how many Star Destroyers does he have on that planet? 300? 500? Too many to be narratively interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> very well said actually. Because and each one of them equipped with uh, Death Star-like capabilities right. of destroying a planet. Yeah. yeah, and each one has their own legion of stormtroopers. So I have a cool fact about that. Okay. So each legion, the guys on the red. Yeah. They're named after previous Darth Lords. Really? Yeah. So it's in the books. That's what they're, they're named it. So there's one legion called the Legion of Revan, which now makes Darth Revan canon, which makes me super excited. That's right. <laughs> Make yes. Well, today, there he is. Yeah. Revan's in. He's in. He's in. Excellent. So buckle up, gentlemen. We're going to our, what is this, the third planet now? We're going to Pasana because Leia has said that there's an ally here on this planet that can help lead the way to where this Wayfinder is. And who is this ally waiting for us here? Shane, why don't you take it? This is Billy D. <laughs> Lando Calrissian himself. Can I just say one thing real quick? I thought I thought this was actually something that I th- thought worked pretty well in the film was him being in it. Because I couldn't remember how much he had aged since. Yeah. So I was like, he could either be looking really bad. And he's aged, obviously, but... He was still able to kind of carry his own. He wasn't like struggling. He's with still it. the same character. It's yeah. not. He's not just an aging actor. Yeah, I thought it did. It didn't feel distracting to me, yeah, which it was what a lot of these like forced cameos can sometimes be. But you mentioned to me that you, you guys thought that this this planet was was pretty interesting. You guys kind of wanna speak on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, uh, what's it called? Pasana. 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 Uh, I thought it was kind of the highlight of the. Like swashbuckling parts of of this movie, I felt like it was the first time in this entire new trilogy that the new cast felt like they could do their own thing without the original trilogy cast. Well, I'm glad you said that because one of the other things I thought worked well in this film was the three of them actually interacting together. Mm-hmm. I thought there was some nice playing off of each other, some back and forth, and but I was also frustrated because I was like. It took them all the way up to film three to figure this out, right. like when it's ending, because they could have done more with that. Right, right. I feel like they've used the original trilogy as such a crutch um, through, I, mostly in, I'd say, Force Awakens mm-hmm. um, and in the early parts of uh, Rise of Skywalker. But then at this point, it was just like 
shackles are off. They're on a planet. It's fun. They're seeing a lot of weird things. They're introduced, and everybody kind of has their own agency as as characters, um, and they're trying to figure out these clues and do all that. And that was a lot of fun to see. And it was like a well designed planet. Like these aliens, I like the celebration. Not everybody right. in the galaxy is right. having a bad time. Right. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, and the, and, I, the, and the the speeder chase was was pretty cool also mm-hmm. just for, from an action scene perspective yeah still felt good and you know we got the first order hot on our tails here and then the knights of ren well, let's talk about them because the not- those boys uh, <laughs> i got some problems with that. playing no with them boys um, <laughs> Jesus. I, I love the volleyball scene with the knights yeah. of ren yeah <laughs> Shirtless, shirtless Knights of Rin. Pulling the sweatpants up. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, good God. That was a Merry good, Christmas to us. That was a good setup there. But yeah, let's talk about oh. them. This was something that was in flashback, kind of alluded to us in The Force Awakens, kind of absent in the last film. They're now included here. The fans asked for it. They got it. What do we think? So... Seeing them in the flashback in The Force Awakens, yeah. you see that flashback, and I'm like, all right, Kylo Ren's got like this group behind him. Like, who are these guys? You know, and they told us, Knights of Ren. What does that mean? Who are these guys? Like, I want to know more about these guys. One, they look just look awesome. They all each have their own different weapon, their own different fighting style, but right. who are they? A dark side posse right. isn't something that we've seen in these movies. Right. Well, let's sour mash it to what you said in the flight, and okay. the Knights are, of Ren... Mm-hmm. Are the dispelled or kicked out, exiled Jedi Academy rejects the that kids? never put it together? That could be. The light's always a little darker over them. <laughs> cut themselves a little too often, yeah. right? Yes. And those are the ones that got kicked the hell out. Which actually kind of plays if you go back to the Kylo as Ben in the Academy with Luke oh. and his destruction mm-hmm. of it. We have something here. Yeah. yeah. But again, this is for me what suffers in this entire trilogy of all three of these films. And it's the introduction of characters that they purposely waste. I want to give you a quick list. Okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to rattle off some names and we'll talk. Of, I don't even want to talk about how they haven't been developed because they haven't. <laughs> okay. Maz Kanata. Didn't matter at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unkar Plut. Didn't matter. Don't know who that is. Yeah. That's the one that provides the provisions from Ray in The Force Awakens uh, that is to oh, find Simon the Pegg. Oh, one, Simon Pegg. One quarter portion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Okay. Captain Phasma. What a fucking waste. I know. Yeah. Right? I was sure she was going to come back. I'm not even a fan of her, but what a total waste. Yeah. yeah. Here's the biggest one of all of them. Hux. Yeah. That, that <laughs> yeah. Was, Why did we even bother? That actually like pissed me off. I was like, really? Of well, all I got the guys? Yeah. Rose. <laughs> we all hate Rose. She's ridiculous. Okay. Already smoke, already spoken of before, spoken of, Snoke. Okay. Who cares? There's 50 of them and none of them matter. Yeah. No. Benicio Del Toro as DJ. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, this one made the list. That's why I brought it up. Is the entire Knights of Ren. Any one of those eight characters that I just, or entities that I just named off, could have given us an out or a way into new story, which I think yeah. we've all clamored for in some, some capacity. Here. Sure. And instead... They're gone before we barely even knew you. And the Hux thing had such potential because he could have been the minion of Snoke as they try to usurp Rin because he's coming too powerful. And Rin could have then allied with Palpatine. And then we have a civil war brewing inside the Empire. You can still do the same thing. But nope. Right. They're all gone and none of them matter. I I really thought that was stupid. 
like talk, well, let's just oh. talk, let's just talk about it now since right. we're, we're there. So this grand twist that's revealed to us is there's a spy in the first order that's given them these plans or the you know where they're supposed to be where they're supposed to be going and as we've kind of get off this planet we need to come back to it because some yeah. important stuff happens but it's revealed that the spy is general hux yeah. and he saves them saves the day gets a nice chuckle out of the audience then he's killed in the very next scene <laughs> shane let's play this out for a minute okay <laughs> you're gonna be dom hog leeson and i'm gonna be your agent okay great so i'm gonna call you up hey dom hall it's uh <laughs> such and such from caa what you doing yeah, you know, on the uh, the the capital ship here, um, trying to keep a low profile. Hey, I've got a new script for you. Um, check it out, Star Wars. They yeah. want you uh, in a Grand Moff Tarkin kind of way. Are you on board? Oh, you want me to be the actor? Um, <laughs> um, oh, great. Yeah, that sounds great. A, a, a real mustache twirling sort of sort of character to be in a pulpy thing. Think yeah. about the casting of him in that role. Oh, yeah. And what the fruition of that was. A laser to the stomach. Right. And some other nondescript admiral that makes Piat look like he's right. important. And all because yeah. he's, like, throwing a fit over Kylo Ren. I would have liked it better if they didn't even explain why he was doing it. If that. he was just a decent guy who for such a long time was, like, like First the, Order's the, no good. Right. Mm-hmm. But it said that would like, have been better to me. I don't yeah. like Kylo Ren. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you forgot another one, too, that's kind of barely given any credit. I can't remember the character's name, but it's Carrie Russell. It's Poe's bounty oh, yeah, hunter yeah. friend. His girlfriend. On the next planet we're going to. But Zori. Yeah, let's 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 get to her. Uh, cause there's, that's Carrie Russell? Yeah, yeah, it is. There's some yeah. history there, obviously, but obviously. no time for it. Yeah. Uh, In the books, you learn that Poe became a spice runner at the age of 16. So that's how he knows her from that group at the age of 16, which you guess he's probably in his 30s. Yeah. Late 30s, probably. We need you to be like the historian for us. <laughs> that's what I am. So is that something they took from the books then? Yeah. So the new book that just came out last week, it's like the visual encyclopedia of The Rise of Skywalker. They have all kinds of information in it that would have been great to see in the movies. <laughs> but it, it's not in the movies, so you kind of leave like, well, I would have liked to know that. <laughs> There's so much of that with this, it seems. So much like... Uh, and the movie's already long. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. pushing three hours. Like, but it still moved too fast. <laughs> the, the there thing was so that, much stuff in there that should have been fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the thing that, uh, that uh, Finn was going to tell Ray before they sunk in the sand. I can tell you. From from from, JJ, from information in the movie? From no, not from in the movie. Then it's a failure. It is a failure. But JJ Abrams explained afterwards. Uh, but that's bad filmmaking. It is bad. That's... But out of, out of curiosity, what do you know what it was? Yeah, it's that he was going to tell her that he's force sensitive. That's why he could sense like where she was. And Who what she was cares? Doing. I agree. I thought I tip. I actually thought he was going to like profess his love for a second. Yeah, that seems more like, likely. That seemed better, but especially after the ending, we'll talk about that later. My gosh, that was the. Re- <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that, that's what Abrams told over the weekend. I'm glad he kept interview. it to himself. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> let us make the next Star Wars movie. It wouldn't be filled with this bullshit. So back on this planet, they find some clues: a Sith dagger. And then, but it's too late. The Knights of Ren are approaching the First Order. They kidnap Chewbacca. You know, Ray does a pretty cool, like, force flip, lightsaber cut of Ren's ship. Like, that was pretty awesome. But then, like, you know, she's in a power struggle to save the ship. 
with Ren, and then the Force Lightning comes out. This is interesting. This is like, oh, let's expand on this. No, we never see this ever again. Remember, this is before we know she's a Palpatine, too. But it's it's fairly obvious. Right. Like what's so, yeah. Harkening back to like her training. Yeah. She's so frustrated. She's angry. She's going towards the dark yeah. side, right? So I maybe she kind of like it. touched into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe she likes it. Right. I, I audibly <laughs> gasped when that happened. <laughs> because it's like she's the third person to do this in a Star Wars right. movie. Doku, right? Yeah. 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 Doku, yeah. Palpatine yeah. and Count Dooku. Yeah. <laughs> in the games and books, all the dark side, it's a dark side power. That's what they, they're allowed to do. And I thought it was a cool <laughs> moment, but no. And like, the very first time that we see her make some sort of mistake. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which I thought was significant yeah. for her character because every moment before that, they keep. You can tell the producers and, and directors really want to prop Ray up as as kind of this new hero uh, whose shoulders this this franchise is on. And in doing that, they're kind of afraid to show flaws in her character, mm-hmm. which you can have flaws and still have a, a heroic character. Absolutely. And it's, it's not until this... to, actually. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> it's what brings them... It's called to internal be. conflict. Yeah. It's what brings them to be that. Screenwriting 101. Yeah, you're to. Well said, though. You're right. She's... But this is the first time we see anything, any sort of flaw, um, which they, they undercut with... Chewbacca ultimately being being alive, and she doesn't actually make that much of a mistake after all. But it's still she takes a step too far, and is start starting to use the dark side. Mm-hmm. It was good to see her struggle with that, though. That okay. was one of the like highlights of the acting in that movie. Mm-hmm. Was her struggle with that? You know, yeah, I think she did a really good job. Is that part? Yeah. Do you all feel at this point, Star Wars in its production or story direction is starting to rely? on other Disney-owned properties. I can't help but see for myself a lot of Marvel in this film and a lot of Marvel moments. This is um, Crossbones in uh, Winter Soldier, is that what that one was? Right? This is like, we tried to do good and we kind of blew it and it launches us into Civil War because we... And we're going to even get a very end-game through portals everybody kind of shows up to save the day as the troops rally against the formidable forces of darkness right which is in game no it's not it's actually this movie later i feel like they're starting to rely on their own existing properties because what you just said a little while ago jesse mm-hmm. can you give me one new thread of an idea yeah. in this movie and i guess the answer is just no matt it yeah. can't it makes them money that's the that's the end result. I'll tell you what, though, we're going to a new planet, so buckle up, gentlemen. We're going to. We're kick, not, we're it's almost planet. like we're going to too many planets. Yes. Too fast. Talk about the, the healing. Oh yeah, let's talk planet. about the healing. Yeah, let's talk about the healing. Oh, yeah, right <laughs> Historian, what book was the healing power of the light side launched ah, in? Do you mind? Yeah. I don't know. The opposite of force lightning. Well, what do we think? What do we? What do force we? Force bandaid. Yeah. yeah. What do we think of the force healing as a force power? We haven't seen this yet. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because this is the Force Awakens, right? Sure. She's a new breed of Jedi in a sense, right? So she could have these new powers, which I'm okay with. But the healing kind of makes sense in my head. Right. I, 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 and I don't, I don't like how Star Wars fans tend to clump different powers in. and I did do it myself I did it by saying using force lightning as like that's a thing that you can do it's a move you can unlock right. uh, it's very like video gaming 
<laughs> sort of terminology, but like the force is just manipulation of this force around right. things. There's no like Absolutely. powers or something. So it makes perfect sense right. that you could manipulate, you know, what needs to happen right. in order to heal somebody. She's taking the force from herself, her life force, and giving it to this creature. I can't remember what the name of the creature is. It's in the book. <laughs> but she heals this creature so uh-huh. it doesn't kill them all, mm-hmm. right? But it's it's kind of an interesting I like the force it. healing. Like it. It's it's something new. Right. It's the first time we see something it. Something new. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it the snake from Harry Potter? That it's what it looks like, right? <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Right? You can't find a better than a fucking yeah, serpent. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. A serpent? I I, we have right. so many cool animals. You can't even roll me out like what, a six-horned... What, what made these tunnels? You know, like, like sure. make it like a giant worm or something. Go on yeah. to Ralph McQuarrie's concept art. Find something. Right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the first time we see the forest healing, spoiler alert, if you haven't been watching The Mandalorian, it is in episode seven. It's the first time you see Baby Yoda heal Carl Weathers' arm or whatever. But, yeah. I don't know. Nate, um... The character that they're searching for, the bounty hunter. Yes. That, what's his, that character's name again? Ooh, do you remember? I don't remember. Anybody remember? Which one? Carrie Russell? No, no, no. no, no the bounty no. hunter. The Sith hunter. Oh. They find the bones the o- there Ochi. by the... Ochi. Who? Ochi. <laughs> okay, so yeah. add another name to the list yeah. of what could have been. Yeah. And what if Ochi is Lando in disguise? And I don't mean like a bone-covered like grill from a football helmet on right. like in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> not Maybe, like a mask out of Mission Impossible. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I do? I do. Yeah. It's just like another yeah. rimrock. Yeah, another just rimrocking in the themselves mist. over right. and over and over Then you over find out again. a little bit more about him, just the fact that he was hunting Rey way back when, when she was a kid. But That's interesting. That, I'd love like, to see right, that. I would love to right. see that. I would have fleshed out Palpatine's son. I would have fleshed out Rey as a kid. Because maybe it is Palpatine's son. Right. <laughs> yeah. Could well, be. It's <laughs> a big universe when it's, it's inconvenient, yeah. and it's also a small universe when it's inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to hyperspeed well travel us. So we're going to go through Kajimi, where they take C-3PO, who's got the Sith language in him of the reading of the dagger, and they extract it from him so Babu that we... Frick? <laughs> we got to talk Babu Frick? <laughs> <laughs> so that way we can go to... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, he couldn't save this either. That's Neo. That way we can go to another new planet, Kef Beer. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They need to start bringing Which one's that planets. one? This so is so this is the one where the Death Star is. Oh yeah. Can I ask you guys something? Kef Beer? Kef Beer. Yeah. How do you spell that? K E F B I R. Wow. Kef Beer. Have you did you guys notice like throughout each opening sequence of the planets there's some sort of creature just like screaming its head off? Mm-mm. It's really weird. Really? But as soon as you go to that scene and they're like walking through the streets, mm. there's this creature that goes, ah! <laughs> but even like on the Millennium Falcon when they're force skipping or hyperspace skipping or whatever, there's that creature behind them. He starts like screaming out of nowhere. There's all <laughs> these creatures screaming for no reason. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Hey, if that's not Star Wars, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what this thing could have done with was just some subtitles to kind of like let you know what planet you're on. Yeah. Like. I don't know why they haven't done that from the beginning. That would be nice. Think, yeah, Rogue One did that. Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. That do it again. It's planets. out of control it, now. It makes sense to do that. If there's more than three planets, label them. All right, so let's talk about this planet because a bunch of shit happens here now, too. So this is the Wayfinder is supposed to be here in the Death Star. This is Death Star 2 from Return of the Jedi that after it's 
blowing up in the end of that film somehow ended up on this planet in some ocean. Not on Endor. (laughs) (laughs) Some ocean, yeah, exactly. Some ocean, Mm -hmm. constant hurricane planet. And so now we're introduced to yet another character. Is this Janna? Janna? Mm -hmm. Janna? Add her to the list, Mac, because like, there's like something there, but there is not some, enough something there at the end. Yeah. We'll talk about it yeah. at the end, but there's something. And I can, I can flesh it out a little bit from the books. Okay. That's what I do. <laughs> As is necessary with this movie. Where it's going to go is it's, if it's going what I hope you're going to tell me I'm wrong, but it's going to shrink the universe even more. Probably. It, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It Everybody's is. like. All related. The Roosevelts and the Kennedys cannot start. Starters. <laughs> yeah. They look welcoming and expansive the, compared to this universe. The Hatfields and the McCoys are now yeah. going space. Right. <laughs> Kef Beergo. Yeah. So now we're here on the Death Star. We have this confrontation between Ren and, and Ray. But we see a little flashback of her wielding the double-bladed red lightsaber, kind of embracing, like, what if? Like, so that was cool. Yeah. I like that because it harkened back to Empire, you know, when Luke's going sure. through the cave. You know, this is, like, what would happen if you turn to the dark side. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Right. Couldn't resist designing it, a new lightsaber for it. Right. That, that was a little much. <laughs> I like was the that in her brain, too? too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Was her greatest fear having a and badass with her, lightsaber? With her Bilbo moment from Fellowship of the Ring, showing oh, the teeth yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. That was a little much. But <laughs> they could have done that a little differently, I think. Made it a little more meaningful. Yeah. Otherwise, just like here, this is what you're gonna look like if you join the dark side. <laughs> and I love it too because the idea, like we we've already established that with her force lightning and whoops, I kind of blew right. that and killed Chewbacca and that was kind of not good and you know we've seen that there and just the name alone, there's clearly a legacy to evil. Mm-hmm. It just felt to me again so reheated from Return. Like we got to check yeah. this box. We got to get back to Indoor in some way. Let's just not call it Indoor. Let's have the cave scene where we see the good guy as bad guy. Check. Oh, we don't got Lando. Let's get hit. Like check, 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 check. I, I want to love it. And like, and it, like the image is cool. Yeah, her and the awesome. Oh, yeah. The Sith just look better than they the do. Object. They, they just look they're better, better dressers. Yeah, <laughs> black is very slimming. I don't think it is. <laughs> even in galaxies far, far away. That, yes. that red lightsaber makes her face just look so nice. Yes. <laughs> I don't think at any point in this new trilogy has it ever like looked bad. Like the design right. has been good. Uh, the visuals have been good. It's just it's been there, done that type of a feeling. Mm-hmm. So then we get this duel, and I gotta applaud this new trilogy for a couple things. Uh, the first is, I think the lightsaber fight sequences in all three of these films have felt very authentic, and they feel like people fighting with swords. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that, okay? If you don't mind, yeah. So look at the lightsaber duels in all nine films. Mm-hmm. The prequels, they're like dances. You know, they're twirling their lightsabers around. Highly choreographed. Right, highly choreographed. Yeah. They're spinning behind their back, jumping and all this stuff. Go to four, five, and six. They're like traditional duels. Mm-hmm. You know, like fencing, mm-hmm. almost. Right? You go to these ones. These ones are like pure emotion. They're just trying to kill each other. Like, you can see yeah. it in their face. I love it. Yeah, I, think I, it's I can totally respect it. It, it, it looks better. It, yeah. I mean, they're, just, they're out there actually trying to kill each other mm-hmm. instead of you know, oh, I poked you in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Judges, did you see that one? That, that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love showing because this emotion that they're showing is something that's kind of been missing for me. Yeah. Right. And as much for a Jedi to be in control and, exactly. and this, they're not in control they, of 
any right. of it. Because they're kids playing with toys they can't right. understand. Yeah. Which has kind of been the feeling of, of this trilogy. And they're, they're the last of legacies of a bygone era, too, which that's all interesting to yeah. me. Like, yeah. let's expand on that. Yeah. But We have our best part of the movie so far, the way it's been described right now. Okay. So well said. Yeah. Good job, Nate. Why don't you run with the how it wraps up here? Oh, no. I don't want to. Um, I'm going <laughs> to let... I want... I want Because I want to hear the the showdown in from Nate's point of view as far as this emotion goes. So let's, I'm going to let you finish this, the, the bit up here. So they're fighting on the Death Star. I like it. It's cool choreographed. You know, they're jumping the waves, all this stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, they get, she, Finn's there with, what's her face? Jana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she's keeping him away and all that. And he's kind of distracting her. But then she could kill him right there. You know, she defeats him. And I don't know, man. I, I don't know. How, I think it was a bit of... Like, I could see where it was going. But it was also a bit of a cop-out, in my opinion. Because Ren's this pretty awesome Sith Lord right now. Okay, so... We get to the end. She could kill him, right? So he's sitting there. He's wounded. She heals him. But he gets distracted beforehand by his mother... Leia, who reaches out from the forest and they all say, well, that she's going to use her life. She's going to, this is going to kill her. Like, that's, I find that stupid, honestly. Like, what, it, I see how they needed to kill Leia off. That's not the way to do it. Not at all. What do you this think? This is like, it, I, another devil's advocate moment of this, I kind of, I, I liked that uh, at least that moment for Leia's character, and and again, given what they had to to work with, uh, using everything that she had to just have a brief moment of reminding him that Who he is was. her son, sure. just enough to t- to prevent him from killing Ray, um, which is just it's just a little like galaxy wide like flick to the brain. Um, which is such, in 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 the scheme of this fight, so seemingly so in, insignificant, but it's such a significant moment for the, for both character for all characters, um, and that in a way that I I, I likened it to um, uh, what Luke did in the previous movie of kind of in a small way extending himself across the entire galaxy, which is something that exhausts people to the point of death. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that not everybody agrees that that's a a, a compelling way to end this conflict. My problem with it is that all she does is say his name. Like, okay. Like, hi, mom. (laughs) Give me a little sense of what she said. Just to make it a little more clear, because not everybody's going to pick that up, mm-hmm. I don't think. I think in The Force Awakens, Han gave Ben a pretty good pitch on exactly what family means. Yeah. Now, I know he's not Force-sensitive or whatever we want to say, but I found that moment to be really quite touching. Yeah. And part of it is they're limited in what they can do with Carrie Fisher, because she's not around anymore. Right. So granted, that right. is, we had a we had Ben from an audio track throw it in here. Is the ultimate goal... For Leia to distract her son enough that Leia then can do him in. I mean, that, that Ray can then do him in. Because here's something that I find myself thinking about. I gotta say, 
the Skywalkers are kind of a disaster as a family. They are. Like, Luke basically sucked by the end of his story. I know, let's not even get into his dad as far as doing what's right. You know, and then Leia shows up to protect her progeny that's not her offspring. And somehow in the context of all this, Leia has not only hooked Han, but then broken things off with Han in some way that's so poorly explained we never know and still leaves us puzzled. But then she sidled up to Rey to forsake her son in a way that I think probably leaves her in his leaves him in her mind dead i don't think it's going to be a distraction and haha the judges did you see i poked him with my saber i agree with it's that. curtains yes and, and the final point on this if you can get blown out through the hole of a spaceship into absolute zero nothing and force will yourself back into it with barely an icicle or two on your earlobes I just don't know why this transference that couldn't be just done mentally other than she's dead in real life and they don't have any more footage is the final straw for her. Right. She wasn't even in a weakened state. Right. That's the that's the part that bothers yeah. me. Like if she was like physically dying and that was her last thing to do, then yes. I could see that. It's a nice send off for her yeah, and give her sure. like what you're talking about the Thank you, Carrie. God bless you. We love you. All that. Like, as Star Wars fans, we all love Leia. Yes. <sighs> Let me tell you what's the most infuriating thing about all of this part. <laughs> it's what happens after this. So, in between all this, Ren's destroyed the Sith Wayfinder, but then she gets in his ship and he's got the other one plugged in. So, this whole quest for the Wayfinder was for nothing. Because he ends yeah. up with the the one that he had anyway. Like, this, what the hell, man? What's happening? <laughs> you mean between Palpatine and Rin, they couldn't have like tricked <clears throat> her into finding his ship and just flying there any- and get her to come anyway? Such bullshit. This yeah. is not what they want. Don't yeah, they but, want her to but, come? But, but Rin wants her to come to kill him, not to join him. That's Everyone's the got their motive. They all have their motives. <laughs> so then, like, Ben Solo now has kind of like had his awakening and he's visited by his father to have the same scene kind of from the force awakens it was pretty right. much the exact same scene let me just say i was surprised harrison ford was actually in this movie yeah i know they probably had to pay him like eight million dollars just to do this, do this <laughs> little bit i can't believe he was in it i really can't but uh to kind of like coax him a little bit more Fill in for Carrie Fisher, yeah, really. That's exactly what it was, because they couldn't have that conversation to flesh out what she said. Here's Harrison Ford to explain that what she said. That scene would have been Carrie Fisher. Yes. Had she been alive, it would have been a rehashing of the scene that Han had with, right. with I Ben. I would have been better yeah. with that. It would have been much, much better. Yeah. But, yeah. Since so we're talking about trying to connect with, with Kylo Ren here... I think you and I have spoken about this before. The best stuff for me in The Last Jedi is the Ren and Rey connecting yeah. to each other prior to wiping out Snoke and all of those guards, which I think is a fantastic fight sequence. I think the person who's had the biggest effect on Ren in this film isn't Han or Leia. It's Rey. Yeah. Why can't Rey have some version of that conversation? Right. I mean, he's, he's presented her with... Look, you and me side by side on the thrones. Palpatine doesn't stand a chance. 
why can't she have her version of the same conversation with him? And here's how you do it. Don't need Leia to distract him. She's just one-ups him. She just gets him. Right? Boom, gets him. Wave hits him. Boom, slices aside. As she's healing him, she's healing him with those words. Not to be too metaphoric and on the nose. We do the same thing. And she, again, it's the setup and payoff. We've set up a nice relationship between the two of them. And again, rimrocked because it's not paid off. And she's the one who can connect with him. It makes her more powerful too. Does yeah. It, it, it's so muddled because of all the different uh, forces working on uh, Ben. Well, he's got his father. He's got his mother. He's got Ray and all these different things trying to turn and him Luke. back. And Luke trying to turn him back. And it, it all happens in this one scene, which could have been cleaned up. I think in some way, like one of those, pick one of those things and have that thing happen in this scene. Well I said. will say this though, for me, like a good point in this film for me right now is I found Ren to be very frustrating in this film. Like, come on, just get this figured out. Don't take off the mask or, or put on the mask, like figure it out. Give me something with the Knights of, of, of Ren, whatever. I actually now find him the most interesting character in this entire trilogy, seven, eight and nine. Like at this point now, I'm Ben Solo side. I think they finally figured out, and, and for me, a conclusion to him that matters and makes sense other than throw a temper fit after I look at my dad, my granddad's old mask. And I like what you said a lot. All these different forces pulling him could sort of cause that reaction in him. We finally, to me, are at a place where where Kylo Ren makes sense. Jesse, what do you think about Ren? Are you like overall what's your takeaway from him? I like him. I think he's a to, I think I mentioned last week that you know the emperor and Darth Vader find a way to say 50 different ways the same thing 10 times. Yeah. And it's like long live the dark side, you have no match for the power of the dark side, blah 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 something dark side, something something dark side. <laughs> I think Ren is a very layered character, whether that be from like his origins, you know, at the Jedi Temple with Luke and whatever the hell happened there, yeah. and then you know the the stuff with him and his his father. And I think he's very interesting, and I think they've handled him pretty well for the most part. And you know, even in the scene, seeing Harrison kind of like, you know, it's that 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 parental lineage that you know, even as evil and as horrific things as as you have done, like. Your, your parents are still kind of able to bring you bring you out of it. Yeah. I kind of like that. And if you really, you know, Vader's iconic. There's no denying that. But Vader's simple, too, at the end of the day. Sure. Like, like one-dimensional simple if you really want to break it down. Okay. Uh, I'd never feel that way with Kylo Ren. I, uh, I think he's probably my favorite character in this whole new series as well. Yeah. You're always wondering which direction he's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of knew he was going to... Go good, yeah, <laughs> like sure. right. But it's on. still it's still sure, good yeah. to see. Yeah, it's yeah still it like because you just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that, that's the best writing of this movie, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who to accredit that to. Right. Like somebody, I actually I enjoyed that part. Sure. You always like to see the bad guy become the good guy to do the right thing. Yeah, that's, that's what a superhero is, right? <laughs> so buckle up, real quick. So we're going to one more new planet, or we went to this one last time. It's this one's Octo. This is Luke's island right. hideaway where he gives Rey Leia's lightsaber 
here where we learned that Leia was, you know, training to become a Jedi after the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. To carry on the... Forget the idea of there being, like, a higher classification of Jedi that doesn't need a lightsaber. Right. That just uses the Force and is one with everything. Like, they were hinting at Leia being... No, she's kind of a sword fighter like everybody else. Yeah. It doesn't bother me the most of of anything, but it, it, it they did kind of stomp on any sort of chance of Leia being this incredibly powerful yeah. Jedi mm-hmm. that never had a lightsaber. Yeah. And this scene just exists to have Luke give her a pep talk to, okay, you can go do this. But for one bit of fan service that I did actually like in this was Luke actually pulling his X-Wing out of the water. thought that was pretty cool. It was a nice callback. And he actually kind of gave like a little like... I did it this time, yeah. like <laughs> that damn Yoda type of thing. <laughs> like, but now we're going to Exegol. It's going down now. The big showdown: Ray versus the Emperor, and the Resistance is also in tow for their final assault on these five hundred ships. Hopefully, they can scrounge up some Resistance fighters across the galaxy to come help us out. Yeah, just one or two. Anything else? <laughs> one or two. <laughs> So their plans... Like a canned food drive? Just a can of corn? We'll take it? We'll, we'll take, yeah. Yeah. Just any number of ships. So their plans... One, two, yeah. 100,000. Yeah. However many you can find. Yeah. However many people betrayed us in the last two movies and yeah. left us high and dry. Yeah. We'll go with that amount. Hey, yeah. Uh, yeah. Call out. Anybody got any spare ships? About to take on Palpatine. Just send him to the 1525 middle of galaxy nowhere. Well, their plan is just ridiculous to begin with. Hey, hey, Wedge. Hey, Wedge. Where were you? When we were on crate and we were behind the big door and they were battering it down, where were you, Wedge? Well, they dug them out I of want some, that scene. some crusty shed for a one-second little bit. But some Chase, crusty shed? Yeah. I love it. You looked old, man. You looked older. alive with dark science. You looked older than Billy D. <laughs> All right, Shane. So you've, you've you've voiced to me that you have a lot of thoughts on this ending. So I'll let you run with run with this. Why don't you kind of break it down for us? My thoughts on the ending is that it it seems as if it's a very sort of simplistic ending, which it 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 is in that it's like, oh, how are you going to defeat the entire lineage of the Sith? Oh, maybe it's the entire lineage of the Jedi, and it feels like a very like victory lap of the uh, of the star wars saga sort of way to do it of mm-hmm. like a way to have some cameos of some voices with like liam neeson in there saying you got this was and liam neeson in there he was, he was one of the voices yeah. he was in there they used alec guinness and ewan mcgregor Freddie prince, prince jr christensen yeah they Who had said prince, they jr. prince jr yeah they did from star wars rebels he's in rebels yeah. what yeah, yeah. They, yeah they used him they used the girl that plays ashoka sano Oh, wow. in that, they use like every Jedi who's been on TV or movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. To kind of bring it all together. Which was cool. I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I enjoyed that moment. <laughs> but but I I find that what's interesting about it is that it's it culminates with Ray's whole whole story, her struggle of Am I inherently evil? Am I not? Is it you know nature versus nurture? One of the like oldest sort of struggles of all time, um, and like can she can she defeat uh, the emperor with with this? And can she the age old question with the Jedi? 
can she bring balance to the force? Sure. Which, upon thinking more about it, I think she's the first Jedi to bring balance to the force. And in so doing, stay with me here, (laughs) improves the prequels. Because what I interpret bringing balance to the force is balance between not necessarily um, the the dark side and the light, but between all facets of what it means to be uh, a human. So all the all the good, all the bad of being human, all the anger, all the love, all the things that even in the prequels the Jedi said you couldn't do, because the, in the prequels the Jedi are too extreme. Mm-hmm. They say you can't do these things that are a part of being human. They're like, can't ever they're be like angry. crazy evangelists. Yeah. If you're angry, you're cast <laughs> so funny, out. I was just thinking, it's like, it's like CCD all over again. Yeah. It's like Catholic <laughs> school. It's like, and it, it, makes, it makes total sense how the Sith can come from that, how Vader can come from that. But the Sith don't have it right either because they are all totally selfish. They're evil. all evil. They're all about themselves and all this. And in this movie, you kind of almost expect the Jedi to say, hey, Ray." You were uh, a little hateful earlier on. We saw you do some force lightning. You're not really a Jedi anymore. No, that's all. It like she uses her anger. She uses her love. She uses her attachments to other people uh, to become a better Jedi. Um, in a way that no Jedi in the prequels or in the original trilogy ever could. And Luke was onto something in. Last Jedi, when he's talking about the the legacy of the Jedi and the Sith, and he's talking about uh, it, like the, the the Jedi couldn't get it done. They led to the rise of of Palpatine. The Sith are obviously evil. They couldn't get it done. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pout on an island and just die slowly. So he's onto something, but he acted on it in the wrong way. And then Rey takes it a step further in this movie, in being a fully balanced most powerful Jedi. And that's my, <laughs> that's it to my that. take. I don't know if I agree with it, but... <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Interesting. I think it's fantastic. I think you have given the writers way more credit. <laughs> I don't know if it's intentional. Decoding the uh, balance and the force between what is and what isn't and something that's never really been explained as well as you just did there is something that I think a lot of Star Wars fans could probably hearken to. I would say just easy way is like, fuck, no, just get rid of the bad and just have the good. Well, you're right. The good is pretty oppressive when you get down to it in its own right as well. Um, man, I, I would like to say, because I, I, I agree with you, that's great. I just don't think the writers had that played out when they sat down in 7, 8, 9 to say, this is what this means finally. They weren't that smart. Kathleen Kennedy, there's no way she had her finger on that pulse, in my opinion. And if I'm wrong, good. I will gladly be wrong on this one. But we do have a rise <laughs> of a balanced force embodiment. Yeah. I guess, right? I mean, as close as we've seen. Well, she does say, I am all the Jedi, right? Yeah. Did I see a different movie? No, no, but then to back yeah. that up, yeah. she's all the Jedi, but she's also partly Sith, too. Because yeah, remember what's going to happen here. She, she's going to get her ass handed to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ben, or Ray, and Bren, mm-hmm. is going to heal her 
to the point that exhausts him. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So, I mean, she yep. is partly Sith then, if you want to say he's Sith, as close to it as we could probably right. get. You could say that she's perfectly balanced. Yep. Not perfectly, but... And in a way, Ben is too. Right. And that the, he has the good and the bad. Right. He the redeems himself. Yeah. He has he has the anger. I keep going back to, to the anger, hatred, and love that all the Jedi for forever said you can't have. See, I think they, they, that they are very interesting characters, like, for what they're setting up. The, 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 this film is just so muddled right now. There's just so much going on. It's hard to focus. His lair is like... Like a gladiator pit of ghosts, like what? <laughs> yeah, ghost gladiator pit of like voices. Like it, there's so much going on. They do battle with the Knights of Ren. They fight side by side. He falls into the crevice, but yeah, I, I like the ideas being presented. I think there there's a lot to to go there. The, the film is just like out of control at this point. Yeah, do we get to we talk about the final like showdown between good and bad here? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <clears throat> I talked about this a little while earlier with the kyber crystals with Jabba the Hutt and the flight. There's no question that the lightsaber and whatever embodiment is one of the three coolest weapons ever in movie history. I would argue the second would be the discs in Tron. And the third might be whatever device you want to use from James Bond movie 1 through 40. (laughs) Okay, you might even do the Neuralizer 2 from Men in Black. Okay, it still is... The best of all of them, in my opinion. Okay. Despite the coolness of the weapon, at the end of the day, it is just a sword. Yeah. There is no... Like, the Jedi wields it, but it's not the Force that causes the saber to emit in such a way. It's not. It's they flip the switch and it comes on. So... When we are at final stage of showdown between Palpatine and Rey, Palpatine is charging the entire Imperial fleet with force lightning. He's become a living battery. That's how powerful he is. He's like Electro. He is like Electro, (laughs) but not Jamie Foxx, like a good Electro. (laughs) Not stuck in a prison. Okay. Okay. He's come back to a more healthy state at, uh, you know, Right. 700 years or something. He's he's restored and more powerful than he's ever been. And he's letting her have it. Remember, he's empowered all of the ships. That's how powerful this this fellow is. And he's letting her have it. And what does she do? She pulls out two lightsabers and vibranium shields him. Oops, I mean, lightsaber bounces him. (laughs) Back with his own electroshock lightning right. and that's same what thing, does him same in. thing mace windu did to him in episode three <laughs> and, and i i get that it's luke and leia's i get it right so all right there's the metaphor there of i'm using the previous but when you get right down luke was a shitty jedi he killed his nephew or tried to and destroyed the jedi and then him and yoda burned the bodhi tree for no fucking good reason either <laughs> like luke isn't a good jedi Okay, Leia maybe is, although we don't know how she got there other than a couple flashbacks in the movie. And this crossing of lightsabers as she's being shocked and burned to a crisp is enough to destroy Emperor Palpatine? That is so preposterously bad. She couldn't have absorbed it and then taken it back. Like, why do you have to use the lightsaber? I'll tell you why. Because the movie needs to end. (laughs) 
It's too long already. <laughs> Did that bother you, though, too? Lightsabers? At that point, I'm just accepting it. I'm just taking it right now. Like, the movie's giving it to me at face value. Like, I'm sure there's a historical element, so I'll get to you and Nate on the lightsaber history, but I want to hear what you think about, like, lightsabers as a shield that bounces it back. Does that bug you? I think it, it does bug me. It Like, as, like, kind of the ultimate... A moment of Rey's victory in this whole series and really of the whole Skywalker saga having it be lightsabers does seem like a little underwhelming but I also wonder if the alternative of her kind of just taking in the power and like becoming Captain Marvel or whatever mm-hmm. that sort of visual they choose to associate with that mm-hmm. um, I don't know I, I, I feel like that could also be t- too much of a I don't, then it, it then it starts to get into anime. It starts to get, <laughs> uh, uh, it gets a little a little close. I, but true. but there is something something there. It, it feels a little bit too much like a perfect sort of. I never like the beam fight. <laughs> I never like two beams yeah. hitting each other going back and yeah. forth. It's too much of a literal like power struggle. Yeah. And if we're going back to your balance explanation. Why isn't one of the lightsabers red? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Why why didn't Ren keep his lightsaber? We're on to something that makes sense then, right? Right. So you take red lightsaber. It's always meant the Sith, evil, right? Take the blue. Blue's the Jedi Guardian's lightsaber. It's good. So it's green. But the Guardian is the warrior. So take them together. You're taking evil and good, balancing them, putting them uh-huh. against the Emperor... You know, but I also think it should have ended with her absorbing the lightning, exploding all the fleet, killing the Emperor, killing all the Sith acolytes that are there, whatever you want to call them. And Ben's left. He's the last Jedi. He's turned to the good side. He finally sees that. He's... Right. Fulfills his destiny. Exactly. Aren't the titles... Of the second and third films, eight and nine flipped. Absolutely. This should be the other way around. Absolutely. The last film should have been The Rise of Skywalker, and this should be called The Last Jedi. Right. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, and I'm, I'm, we'll get into this, but she can say it. She's not a Skywalker. I mean, you can say it, but you're not. Sure. By, she is a Palpatine. Better by, than by a Skywalker. And, and be, but yeah, and <laughs> yeah. God, good for you. Right. Don't be. They're a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) But that name goes back to part of my problem with this movie is there's so much nostalgia thrown into it. Mm -hmm. It's part of of my problem with episode seven also. That's why I liked The Last Jedi. No nostalgia. No (laughs) nostalgia. A little bit. But this one, they're like, oh, (laughs) Ryan Johnson got such a bad rap for this movie. We need to fix it. How do you fix it? Let's throw all this nostalgia into it. Yeah, they dug Wedge out of the... Yeah. Out of the crypt. <laughs> I think it's called the Krusty Shack. <laughs> yeah, the Krusty Shack. Wedge is Krusty Shack. Come on in, the Wedge is Krusty Shack. We like the chicken fingers. <laughs> All right, so let's get to the end of this movie. So Lando shows up with, oh my God, like 10,000 people. <laughs> Every single ship in the entire universe. Yeah. It's just like Endgame. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah, portals. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so, and you then, think that you think you have everybody. You think you're alone. Everybody shows up. Right? And and it and it became my problem in, in in Endgame too, which is where there's just too much. Where you just yes, you can't focus on anything. And I'm just like, I just don't care. I know they're they're gonna figure it out. Just get it done. And as a space battle, it was kind of the least interesting of all the space battles. 
of all the space battles sure. in Star Wars, I think. Yeah. Because it's all like it's all blue, first of all. Like yeah. not a, not an interesting color palette for this planet. Sure. They have this uh like all these movies are trying to make every planet either red or blue because of that like scientifically mm-hmm. proven way to catch people's mm-hmm. attention. Um and and the ship designs also of like why make them the original star destroyers? They could have made them anything. You you were sure. given this like golden egg of you can make a Sith fleet. What does a Sith fleet look like? It could be spider ships. It could be anything. And they're like, oh, m- more star destroyers. Just every <laughs> like you. If you want to sell more toys, Disney. No kidding. Just make new ships. Right. Have something inter- like something new in this battle. I thought it was the worst space battle. It's boring, really. Yeah, it's so. Well, it becomes in- a land battle because right. uh, Jana fight, and Finn are running ship. on the yeah. Star Destroyer's hole to get yeah. to the gun to sh- just blow the bridge up. Like that's a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> flying the flying the Falcon down to catch them, have them jump off of the falling ship onto the Falcon while it's falling and crashing That's into obscene. the planet. Yeah. That's obscene. Yeah. It's, like, I don't mind fantastical worlds and strange creatures, but when the, the basic laws of physics are out, it's... Uh, yeah, it's hard to... It's baby shit. <laughs> it's baby shit. <laughs> mushy? <laughs> it's mushy baby shit. Well, and the, the, this series has become fantasy. You know, you... Going back to episode four, you guys talked about how it was a western mm-hmm. in space. Sure. But now it's just fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's high fantasy. You got your princess. You got your, you know, knight in shining armor. Well, you're not just competing it. with stuff like Marvel. You're competing with stuff like Game of Thrones Lord and of the Rings. all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So grab your nostalgia and your mythologies from wherever. But right. it's like we have a lot of it right which now. which i'm okay i'm don't get me wrong i'm a big fan of fantasy i love fantasy mm-hmm. but i don't know i you think of space you think science fiction but going back to episode four you think of western you just got all those tropes right. of the frontier and it's never been science fiction really which going back to the whole technology sith using technology thing mm-hmm. like star wars has never really been science fiction that's right been. it's fantasy yeah <laughs> space fantasy so let's get to the final scene of the film they win the day obviously you know um, Kylo Ren Ben Solo now heals Rey with the force healing power thus succumbing him to death so she can live on but not before planting a big smooch on her first big smooch <laughs> that I aren't supposed to love <laughs> but we have our resistance party so who's who's Janna supposed to be to Lando what is what's this revelation in the books okay <laughs> He he talks to her. Let's go find out who you are together, right? That's what he says in the movie. Yes, it comes across like a pickup line, right? Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of kind of a little bit. Yeah, kind of creepy. In the books, you find out that Lando had a child who was stolen at about two years old. Age wise, she's about the same age of what she would be. I'm glad they found her before this final battle. Yes, <laughs> so I'm glad that Sith Wayfinder would just happen to be on that yes. planet. She was Lando's on. daughter is there waiting for him. With open arms. Gee, that's <laughs> fucking stupid. So now there's a, there's a third family in the mix, the Calrissians. That is <laughs> stupid. That's the dumbest of any of the things. Which you, you get the hint of that in the movie, but in the books it actually yeah, it's I, I, I fear, comic book storytelling. I fear that you need uh, extra materials in order to understand the story, which Star Wars is never has never been, and it shouldn't be. There should be that line between a comic book movie 
and Star Wars. I want to remove four families from this and you tell me what story is left. Let's get rid of the Skywalkers. Let's get rid of the Palpatines. Let's get rid of the Calrissians. And let's get rid of the Fets. And what is actually left in Star Wars? Because you don't have stormtroopers now either if the Fets are gone. Because right. there goes Django. We could still have Han Solo in all his greatness. <laughs> Which would be Indiana Jones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Him and Chewie doing adventures together. So that's something, but... As long as it's better than Solo was. Oh, yeah. Uh. You, you just wait till what I have to say about that. Um, you just wait. Man. You just wait. No, yeah, you're right. It's the world is four families. world is small, isn't it, Jesse? Of all relation. I'm surprised that... It, yeah. Never and mind. And their one, one hope, their only hope of, of breaking free of these... These four families yeah. was in uh, Last Jedi with the a Jedi can be anybody. Yeah, um, the little kid moved the broom, and they that's exactly. thought provoking. Yes, yeah. Let's yes. get to the final scene of the yes. film. We're back on <sighs> a new planet now. Oh no, we're, wait, no, we're not. We're back on Tatooine at Uncle yeah, Owen and Emperor's house to bury the lightsabers, and then not to be treated with <sighs> the Force ghosts. Coming back one more time. And all that was, was nostalgia. That's all that was. It wasn't, that should have gone to a different planet, buried anything, and then her special lightsaber. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I wonder what Leia thinks of her lightsaber being buried on Tatooine. Uh, The planet where she was enslaved. Right. (laughs) To Jabba the Hutt. I get the metaphor, like, you know, it's done. There's no more battle anymore. Let's just bury the weapons. These two weapons that mean so much to what the Jedi Order was, I guess. But a new lightsaber. Right, but she has a new lightsaber. She's got a new one. What do you think, Matt? Oh, I, it's, okay, I guess it's fan service. I guess what, I just don't know why you would bury them. If you're the last Jedi, why not and you them? have then possessed the weapons, if you have them then the chances are a lot less likely that someone's going to take them from you because to take them from a Jedi, then you would have to such as be as one. But instead now, some old scavenger could just dig through there and come across these weapons. It's just... That's kind of what that new game is about. You can see the next <laughs> trilogies, Kylo Ren going, tracking right. them to sure. Tatooine, digging them up. And if you are as what she says at the film, when that... <laughs> Just wandering woman, just in the middle of nowhere, shows up. <laughs> right. Like just, just going for a walk in this 150 degree heat. Who That's are some you? Who, <laughs> who are you? I'm Skywalker. Whatever. That throwaway line. You know. Are you, who are you? I'm a Skywalker. Why did you bury the lightsabers? Like you just buried your. It just, right. She's she's accepting this lineage of being a Skywalker. But she's burying the weapons that meant so much. But I also see at the same time she's creating her own character. Yeah, I wish we could have seen her build her own. Right, she's becoming her own. That should have happened in the last film. I agree with that. (laughs) That's what this film should have been about. It's just one more fake sentimental bow on this package that should have been delivered in seven day air because it wasn't that important and somehow got overnighted to us because it's so overwrought (laughs) with its own sense of nostalgia. Yeah, Yeah, and that FedEx guy like tossed it around the back of the van a couple times too and it's all busted up and broken and peed on yeah they want to have their cake and eat it too they want to have every possible ending they want to make every possible fan happy 
and in so doing, make no new fans, make nobody supremely happy. Well, to sure. that, I mean, sure. one more thing, to that, you're right, because we even get the celebratory moment of the Ewoks Ugh. when the Imperial fleet gets blown well, to I, bits. I, I couldn't believe that. But yay, I was like, Taylor. really, of I, all the civilizations to show, why the Ewoks? Like, they're such a, like, mutually hated across all Star Wars fandom. Why show the Ewoks? Should have shown the Gungans. Yeah. The Gungans. Yeah, why not? I mean, if we're doing it all, it's right. Why not? Should have shown both of them. The Gungans. <laughs> a couple of Wampas giving a high five. <laughs> Good God. All right, you guys. You like that? No. <laughs> I think but they wouldn't have high fives. They don't have hands. They so don't. They would just be like high elbows. <laughs> high elbows. <laughs> the Tauntauns. <laughs> All right, guys, I think time now more than ever. Let's rate The Rise of Skywalker. So for our ratings, we have Rock Gut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Uh, Matt, I'll let you go first, and we'll go this way. <sighs> I've spent about, well, we all kind of have, with a few saving moments from Shane to protect it, an hour and 40 <laughs> minutes, like, trashing Don't this film. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And you know, but you make some good points. Um, so it'd be really easy to say, oh, this is rot gut. I actually don't think this film is rot gut. And I would put this in the top half of all Star Wars films anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably well plus to call minus. Um, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well plus to call minus. Somewhere in there for me. Okay. I probably see it again. Just because I want to make sure that I didn't miss any loose ends, I probably will read the addendum, um, ask you about where I can find that, that actually kind of ties it all up. And I am very satisfied with how Kylo Ren ended up. Uh, I almost, I, I never was really on board with the Ray train. I never found her a great, dynamic character. It felt really contrived on Disney's point of view to like tap into a merchandising element that Luke Skywalker got from a generation ago. Like it just didn't, didn't play to me. And then the recycled pieces, although were nostalgic and commemorative were mostly unimportant. And then we went through the whole thing of all of those characters that I listed, I thought had potential for a story to go in a new and interesting way. They didn't, they just were forgotten before we could even remember them. Like I actually had to look up the Benicio del Toro characters name, DJ. Right, DJ. DJ and Lana, or whoever the hell Lando's daughter is. DJ Tanner. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) call minus to well plus. Okay. Um, Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You thought it was gonna be worse? You think it was gonna kill it? I don't think so. We've seen worse this year. Sure. I'd say, despite all of my defense for it, um, I would, I would give it, um. A well plus. Um, yeah, because because of how sloppy it is as a as a standalone movie. Every movie needs to stand alone as a movie. If it's if you're trying to make a series, make it into a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything needs to be something that you can turn on and watch and enjoy in and of itself. Yeah. Which which Rise of Skywalker is is not. I think it's a a nice little cap on the. Um, on the series, mostly because it wasn't total baby shit all the way through, um, but but yeah, it, it, it like Nate said, entirely too rushed, um, undercutting their their own stakes left and right 
with General Hux, with 3PO, which we didn't really even get into this, but 3PO uh, basically dying and being mined for jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Where that could have been a very interesting development. Um, And yeah, so I'm going to give it a a, a well plus. Okay, excellent. I'll, I'll give it a call. I enjoyed it. Star Wars movie. Sure. You always enjoy Star Wars. Even how bad it is, you always enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been a fan since you were a kid. Yeah. You, know, you grew up on these movies. You know, it's just something to always enjoy. I'd like to talk a little bit about the C-3PO thing. There was some of the nostalgia I really liked. You know, like that scene where he goes back and he says, I just want one last look at all my friends. That was a touching moment. Yeah. Kind of I really like, enjoyed that. Really wrapping it all up. Yeah. Like that. That was there was a lot of a lot of touching. I'm an emotional guy when it comes to movies. I cry a lot. I'm not gonna lie. I cry a lot. But so there's the scenes in that movie that brought a tear to my eye just because sure. the nostalgia of it. You know, you think about it and it's mm-hmm. like, I dig that. You know, but there's a little too much of it. But overall, I'd say it was an enjoyable movie. I I'll watch it again. Sure. You know, it's part of the saga. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think um I'm gonna be clocking in. Yeah, kind of like a well plus call minus this is kind of it's almost like in the same territory as return of the jedi like i was pretty hard on jedi last week and pretty hard on this film too but i kind of feel the same thing like i think they're competently made like they look good i think they're films very well acted by everyone involved like i never feel like we're in prequel territory where i'm just questioning like why people are actors and how they got into hollywood like i do with those films but uh there's a lot of issues and when i kind of broke it down and looked at man who wrote this thing and man dawn of justice and justice league and those are kind of those are rock gut films for me and there's too much going on and when you have a film that's trying to close out nine a nine picture saga but you're introducing a bunch of new ideas and new concepts and reintroducing old villains and old nostalgia and this and that while trying to wrap it all up Man, it's messy. I don't envy anyone trying to make this film. Like, that is a hard job. I can kind of see why Colin Trevorrow, like, bailed for whatever reasons he gave. Like, this this is a hard gig. And, you know, it's not the worst that we've seen from Star Wars, but I think it's the weakest of this new trilogy for sure. I agree. Um, I'll watch it again for sure. But, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot for me to, like, really come back to with this one because... The last one left me on a pretty decent high. And like what I was going to say last time was, man, we really need to reevaluate Last Jedi in in like 30 years. The same thing we need to do with Infinity War. Because like uh, those two films are like, are I think on very interesting trajectories being compared to their like their predecessors and their other entries in their series. I think those films are a lot, a lot better than people want to give them credit for. I think the follow-up to both those follow a similar trajectory as well too don't they sure in game in this mm-hmm. can we run a quick experiment just yes with the four of us sure. let's assume that we are in the production meeting for the force awakens and it never goes this way to the letter but beat out before us is here is the general trilogy that we're going to tell in seven eight and nine and this is what we want to do with it ten being to the letter of the law the day that it was laid out with all of the bodies that were in the room, 10. That's a 10. One being not even close to what we spoke about on production meeting one. This is going to be a trilogy, but there's actually going to be five films, that whole announcement that was made. 
Right? You guys understanding the scenario? Sure. Yeah. I need one. Like, why don't you guys rate this for me? One to ten. What this trilogy ended up being. Ten being what the story was supposed to be on day one to what the story was on day final when this was. Um, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I, I think uh, three being one third of the way through. I think they planned it out movie by movie. I think that that meeting before Force Awakens was... They may have had some some ideas. I think they did probably have some some big ideas, but you wouldn't know it by watching these movies. It looks like they're at war with each other. Yep. Um, team Team Johnson, Team Abrams. Right. Um, why Why retcon so much from previous movies? Mm-hmm. Um, why say let the past die to then turn around and say nobody's really gone? Um, it it. It's. It seems like they're at war. It, they're constantly saying that they're not, but I, I think that it's just one one movie at a time. Really, I think they have. I think different people had different ideas for the trilogy. Sure. And I think that they're just kicking the can until the next. It's time to start planning the second movie and the third movie mm-hmm. before they get serious and figure it all out. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'd agree with that. Just about everything you said. Um, I would say it is movie by movie. But I would say Abrams had an overall picture of what he wanted it to be, and maybe Johnson didn't fit that picture. I mean, not that there's like a there probably is a war going on between the two, but I think there was just such a bad rap on Johnson's movie that Abrams just needed to take it over again. And how did he do The Force Awakens by throwing all that nostalgia at you? That's it. Seems like such a shame too, because I thought he handled. The two Star Trek films that he made yeah. very well. So, yeah, I don't know to answer your question, though. Yeah, probably like at a three, three or, or three a four. Or four. But I think he said it the best, actually, earlier in the episode where it's, I think this was planned. I think maybe Kathleen Kennedy spun it was like, we're going to have Han be the conduit of this first one, Luke this one, and Leia this one. And I think Carrie Fisher passing kind of really threw a wrench in this last film. And if this film's like chaoticness is any indication of that, it's very obvious to to me at least. Yeah. Uh, because while she is in it, it's it's very broken. Yeah, there you right. go. That's so many characters' inclusions are because are to fill in for Carrie. Right? Definitely. Maz and with Lando Han and Lando. Sure. And, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna go with one. If you look at the beats in The Force Awakens and the introduction of the characters, it literally is a new hope. They've just changed outfits and names. Yeah. We reintroduced the Death Star. We have the swashbuckling pirate. We have a desert wasteland that we open up on. We have the forgotten scavenger, which essentially is what Luke and um, Aunt Veru and Uncle, whoever the hell they are, <laughs> and New Hope are also. Yeah. Uh, as you get to it. Uh, when Maz is introduced, that's obviously that's supposed to be the new Yoda. She even has a lightsaber. There is no way that when that meeting started, they said, we're going to have this be built around Palpatine. And we are going to finally destroy the Empire for good. What I think they really wanted to do was get what we almost saw happen in The Last Jedi. And that's explain Luke turning on his pupils and how that takes it to a totally different direction. I think that might have been in discussion. Like, what are we going to do with Luke? Mm -hmm. I think for merchandising purposes, 
there is a reason to have Luke and Han and Leia be in there. But I don't think that that is marketable enough for a young generation to make the money to have that be the crux of all three films. So I think one turned out the way they wanted. The Force Awakens was mostly the way. It never is script to screen exactly, but it's close. And after that, I think the thing went completely off the rails. For me, they found a lot of light in The Last Jedi. Like, I, I will defend that film, and you'll see when we do our rankings. Like, I will, I think all of us are kind of in agreement on that, it's mm-hmm. shockingly, which is cool. Yeah. But I, when it got to parts of two and, and all of three, I don't think most of that discussion of any of that was had in that office. I just, I, I, I don't buy it. No, I don't think so either. And I think even The Force Awakens in itself is an unenviable movie because. Not only are you trying to reintroduce to a new generation, but to repair all the ill will of the prequels, but to like bring that nostalgia of the people that love the original trilogy, like fuck, like that's right. So who I, are you trying to please in that film? Right. Who's gonna go see the Force Awakens? The people who saw the original as a kid. Yep. And they're bringing their kids to go see it. And they saw the prequels. Right. Yeah. You guys aren't there yet, but you're gonna be there. It's coming. And that was after we saw the Force Awakens. We went shopping for toys. I took my little one, okay? So she, what's that, four or five years ago? Mm -hmm. Four years ago? Four-ish. She wanted nothing to do with any of the re-release Star Wars stuff that came out. Because remember, they did a re-release in like a legacy series of like a badass Vader, even though they gave him those weird silver panels on his shoulders. I I worked retail for 10 years, so I I stocked them all. So I was the first one to look at everything that came out. So I was excited about all that stuff. She also wanted nothing (laughs) to do with Poe. Or Finn, or Ray, she liked the colorful, like character, like the stormtrooper looking things, because mm-hmm. they looked cool. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm no, I'm no toy marketing genius. A lot of <laughs> things I am, and none of them are that. I can't believe that that was that much of a miss on this property that should have been such a slam dunk. Yeah, um, and they had to have known. Like Matt may want to buy Leia for his daughter. His daughter's not. Eat. Oh, it's just a tough... And then if they were going to do that, then Luke should have been introduced in the first film to make the money on it. So I'm yeah. saying my yeah. argument is the merchandising marketing element of this also supports... So, I mean, I agree it is three. Like, I'm with you in three, but yeah. also a one at the same time. Well, that's right. what happens when your property's owned by the House of Mouse. It's yes. a machine at this it point. Yeah, it is. And it, it, it's unfortunate. It ruined it. It's yeah. There was too many cooks in the kitchen with Disney, yeah. and it wasn't their restaurant. Yep. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but, like, for as much as, like, George Lucas just totally shit the bed on his prequels, having one man just be in control of... Singularity of vision. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot less cooks in the kitchen why don't we just leave it at that to that to cooks being in the kitchen and <laughs> fucking up the ingredients <laughs> to a nice recipe tonight though yes mm. well excellent gentlemen this has been a fun episode to say the least to talk about this film i think everyone's brought a lot of really interesting points to to all of this to kind of look at it from a bunch of different perspectives but let's lead us out into into the rest of the day with our nightcap question and, you know, Matt brought this up last week and I thought this was, you know, pretty good to kind of, you know, send us out on this cask. And now that we have the Rise of Skywalker, what's our inevitable ranking of all 11 films in this entire Star Wars canon? So this includes Solo and Rogue One. So, 
Matt, why don't you give it to us 11 to 1 for yourself? It does kind of put a bookmark on the whole thing, right? It like does, Whatever yeah. comes next seems like yes. Solo's dead, so it tied up the prequel with Solo. Like, whatever comes next should be new territory. <laughs> yes. And I'd like to think the Skywalkers are deceased, but I know better. They'll show up in some way. Because of the marketing thing that we just went over. Yeah. Okay, so number 11 for me is Phantom Menace. I'm not going to go into any explanation because this could take forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number 10 is Solo. Number nine is Attack of the Clones. Number eight is Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Seven, six, and five are all equally interchangeable. Okay. Okay. They're all equally interchangeable. It is The Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, and this film we just did today, The Rise of Skywalker. That can be, was that seven, eight, seven, six, five? Yes. So you have. Whatever. Like it it could change from day to day. Mm -hmm. Four. Okay. Four. Four is Rogue One, barely. Okay, mm-hmm. barely. Um, th- what am I missing? Am, am I lower than that? No, you're good. Minute. You're good. Four is Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Three is. Did I do Return of the Jedi? Yeah. You did. What am I missing? Attack of the uh, Revenge of the Attack of the Clones? You have Last Jedi, New Hope, and Empire. Okay, okay sorry. Yeah, right. So I'm at three. Mm hmm. That's uh, Last Jedi. I think that movie is so, so, so underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it when it came out. I said I wouldn't do this, but I got to do this. Go ahead. We talked about it when it came out. Yeah. And I said, I think what a lot of people are going to miss on this, because it's not so fanboy-esque serving the needs of the masses, yeah. is the Ray and Ren stuff. And I think that played out big. throughout the course of the film in a big way. Oh, yeah. Maybe one of the only things that worked mm-hmm. in this last film. Okay, two. Am I at two? Yep. New Hope, number one. Empire. Excellent. Of course. Okay. You want to go next or who's going to go next? I'll actually go next. Dude, we're like on almost like the same wavelength. <laughs> 11 for me, Solo. Solo's garbage. I could never watch this film ever again. I'll watch the rest of the Star Wars films. I could never sit through Solo again. That's It's a hot, hot Solo garbage cake. <laughs> <laughs> Next one from from you, easily the worst of the prequels, Attack of the Clones for me. Man, Hayden Christensen just can't act his way through anything. Uh, Next, episode three, I'm going to actually go Phantom Menace at uh, number number eight. Uh, For at least they actually went and filmed on sets, at least they had competent actors and Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor to help get them there. I don't think that one's as bad as people make it out to be. I think it's actually the finest of the prequels. Coming in next, The Rise of Skywalker. It kind of is what it is. And next with that is The Return of the Jedi. Oh, they're like the same movie almost, yeah. like for me on a rating scale. Next is The Force Awakens. And then number four with you, Rogue One. Like Rogue One's a pretty good movie. Like I wish we had more standalones like that, exploring exploring stories we want to be told in the Star Wars universe, but done well. Number three, man, three and two are close. Matt, I, I want to put Last Jedi at number two, but I was very high on New Hope in our in our episode for for good reason too. Maybe give it some time to see how the, how that ages. But Last Jedi is a good movie, mm-hmm. and don't let anyone tell you anything different. <laughs> New I Hope, won't. At, I won't. <laughs> New Hope at number two, Empire Strikes Back at number one. Empire's might be one of the ten best movies ever made in my top ten. So ditto. There you go. Yeah. Who's up? Go ahead, Nate. All right. 
number 11, I'm going to go with Solo. Because I watched it, and I actually never finished it. <laughs> wow, really? Um, I'll it was go, an airplane movie. It, it was an airplane movie for me. We landed, and I never finished it. I never went back to finish it. So. <laughs> That's not a good sign. like Right? <laughs> um, then I'll go with uh, Attack of the Clones. Like it's a bad movie. I do enjoy the music. I think that love theme is fantastic. But the music's been good in right in all, all the these. movies. <laughs> John Williams has never let us down. <laughs> it's been it's been up and down for forty two years now, and he's kept us afloat. He's kept us yes. going. Yes. Then uh, next, I'll go with uh, Revenge of the Sith. Then I'll go with Phantom Menace. Then, Can uh, I just say something real quick? Do you remember how many times we saw Revenge of the yes. Sith this summer? It we came saw out it about six or seven times. Jesus, because there was nothing else. <laughs> That's the thing about the prequels, though, is yeah. that for us it came out at the perfect time. Right. Yeah. Whereas you don't realize what makes a good right. story. You just like kind of distracted by all the cool things right. on screen. Yeah. Shit, here's you know Skywalker and Obi Wan fighting at the end of the right. movie like this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely able to appreciate it at every stage. <laughs> okay, after uh where was I Phantom Menace? Yes. Then I would go to Return of the Jedi. Then I'll go to The Force Awakens. Then Rise of Skywalker. Yep, Rise of Skywalker over the Force. Oh, interesting. And then I'll go with A New Hope. Hmm. Third, I'll go with Rogue One. I really like that movie. It's Just great. for the last like six minutes of that movie for Vader scene, that was the best like Star Wars moment in my entire life. Mm. I've been wanting to see Vader just like go ape shit on everybody <laughs> for forever. That was fantastic. It was. Awesome. I absolutely loved That's it. That's a great moment. Then I will go with the Last Jedi for number two. Nice. And Empire for number one. Wow. It says three Empire at number ones. All right. <laughs> Don't let us down, Shane. Uh oh. <laughs> um, okay, so I, number uh, number eleven for me is Attack of the Clones. Garbage. Um, I mean, this. Is, but with this, I love all these movies. Okay. This is true. This is just my my worst child. Yeah. You know. Uh, uh, Ten is Solo. Seen it once, don't need to see it again. I, I'll see it again someday. Uh, nine's Phantom Menace. Mm. Uh, eight is Rise of Skywalker. Ooh. Um, which I think is kind of the lowest on anybody's list, sure. <laughs> despite all my defense of it. <laughs> um, seven, Revenge of the Sith. Six, uh, uh, Last Jedi, which I think is also the lowest of anybody. Uh, a five is Force Awakens. Oh my God! Returned so high on your list. <laughs> I love Jabba. <laughs> um, four is Rogue One. Oh my oh God! <laughs> Three is Return of the Jedi. Two is New Hope. One is Empire. Like you're an original trilogy purist. They are the best of them. Oh, of course. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be yeah, exclusionary about it. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. you can't beat. Well, you can with the other two movies. But <laughs> jo- love Jabba. Yeah. Love uh, Admiral Akbar. <laughs> I love. I love all the garbage in there. <laughs> Do you like Salacious Crumb? I love Salacious Crumb. <laughs> I love Max Rebo. <laughs> the Ranker. Uh, 
I love... Uh, Gamorrean Guards. Yeah, Gamorrean Guards, Sarlacc Pit. It's all good. You eat it all up. I eat it all up. Ewoks, not a big fan of the Ewoks. Can I ask you a question? Not to, it's your list, so God bless you. <laughs> um, even though I think your list is wrong. But it's your list. <laughs> not to be a pretentious asshole, but yeah. let me tell you what your list should be. Um, when you do like the original films and you do, I liked your theory of like a movie should be able to stand alone on its own two feet. Mm-hmm. If you do that with Last Jedi and Return of the Jedi and you weigh those out on the scale, does that change anything with the thinking on like standalone ability of for just you? one versus the other. Yeah. Um, we're going to do it not in the context of all of them, but just bang, bang, snapshot of one A or B. Um, I do think that Last Jedi stands on its own very well. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, Return of the Jedi doesn't stand on its own that well because it's relying on so much of the momentum from the other ones and it's just like oh yeah Harrison Ford's charming as hell great <laughs> um, he always was he's just doing the same thing mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean I think that to put those two against each other uh, Last Jedi might stand on its own better as a singular movie but it has a lot of that stuff that really gets under my skin in a way that Ewoks got under a, a lot of people's skin and mine too to a lesser degree um, it the the stuff on on Canto Bite the Casino Planet well, really gosh, got under my skin. It's, it's very fair. That's the worst part of that movie. Um, the stuff, but that's with, what you hap- but That's what happens when you have too many characters and you don't know what to do with them. Right, right. Send them and, on a quest. And and the the plot line with on on the ship of um of Laura Dern trying try, shutting down uh poe time and time again and not telling him the plan and they're kind of being just this general unexplained frustration sure um that with a few with a little bit more writing i think could have been solved sure um i saw somewhere that they said that like oh if you just added the the element of there's a there's a first order spy in the rebellion uh on the ship and nobody knows who it is that that would solve all of the problems of that plot line uh and why nobody's telling anything to anybody uh Hmm. which would be interesting but it's things like that 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 wreck it a bit more than the low points of Jedi wreck it for me. I think the stuff with the em- with the Emperor at the end is fantastic. The oh, redemption great. of Vader is fantastic. Um, it has enough good in it to make me ignore the bad. Yeah, it's, it's curious. Excellent. Well, cheers to all those lists. Those are great. God bless Empire being number one at least. <laughs> Everybody's list. Well, Thank God. Yeah. yeah we, we've listened to that one. Then we, we, no way anybody rimrocks that one. Yeah. That's, that's pretty solid there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming on this episode. It's been a lot of fun, you know, talking Rise of Skywalker with you. Uh, yeah, this is going to end up being our longest episode, but probably arguably the biggest film of 2019 like to really kind of wrap it up and have a very thorough discussion so thank you guys for coming on board thank uh, you for having us yeah, yeah. thanks, yeah, thanks guys it was great having you here yeah. Yeah. shane if you ever get to come back on for another film what film would you want to come back for oh geez um you do something good or something bad i have a soft spot in my heart for something bad um i'd love to uh to give the benefit of the doubt to something uh 
to something that's bad, which is making me think like Beyond Thunderdome or something. Mad Max Three. Oh (laughs) my god, the Tina Turner one. Yeah, something like that. That's like there's obviously good stuff in there, but it's just covered by this cloud of it being a bad movie. Excellent. That there, we need a little bit more appreciation for bad movies. Sure. What that about? cask is coming someday, not too distant future, right? There we you are go. doing that. It's been discussed quite a bit. What Nate? about what about you, Nate? So I'm a big classics guy. I'll be here for any classics movie you guys want. But if I could pick a movie, I'd probably go with The Searchers. I love John Wayne movies, but The Searchers is the quintessential western, in my opinion. Excellent. You've got you've been to Monument Valley, haven't you? I have not actually. My brother has. Okay. It's sad because they don't want to let you drive in there anymore. Okay. You can only see it from, like, afar. You have some pictures. I do have some pictures. Excellent. (laughs) That is awesome. Let's look at them in silence in the last five minutes. Excellent. (laughs) Well, with that segue, do you want to set up the next cast? Yeah, well, we'll set up the next cast. So Matt and I have kind of been looking out into January and kind of what's coming out, which is a whole kind of lot of nothing nothing. up and kind of really until beginning of February, which is Birds of Prey, which we're going to kind of lead into that with some interesting takes so to speak but to kind of lead up to that matt and i have talked off and on about you know doing different casks based on you know casks about actors and directors and we've tackled obvious genres and subgenres and themes and built around films obviously star wars so we're going to take our first themed uh cask for 2020 it's going to be based on director and i can't believe we haven't talked about one of his films on this show yet mr alfred hitchcock uh, nice. So we're going to call this one The Master of Suspense Part 1 because how could we not come back to this one more than one time? And the first film up on that, cate- on that category Topaz. is... Topaz. <laughs> I would never... No, no. I would never do Topaz oh. or Frenzy for that My matter. My bad, sorry. Uh, man, we're starting with arguably maybe his best film ever made. One that's really important for both of us. Exactly. Uh, starring uh, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak, Vertigo. So that's going to be our next episode next week. And we're going to get going to be fun to talk about Hitchcock, the man, the director, all his films. And we're going to tackle uh, two other very interesting ones as well. Yeah, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. A lot of those films are really important in where I sit with what I think about film. And I know you'd probably say the same as well. Um, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, we're actually going to have a shot this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we're closing out a decade and we're also closing out a year. So those things kind of go hand in hand. Sure. But we're going to have a shot sometime midweek, give you all something to listen to on New Year's Eve before you watch the ball drop with Ryan Seacrest or whatever the hell you guys watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or set yourself on fire, whatever it's going to be. Um, there you go. Ranking our top 10 films of, of the decade, 2010 to 2019. I'm going to throw you a twist, though. Okay. okay. So it's top 10 films of the decade, and you'll do your 10 and our 10, but I also want to do three worst okay. of the decade as well. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fair. So we'll shoot that. We'll hit that up, I don't know, sometime midweek. Sounds good. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go use that force healing technique on my throat to see if I can fix my voice a little bit. And so that's where I'm going to go. That doesn't work. <laughs> yourself up to that harvesting force device behind you and see if you can't channel your inner palpatine dark side to get you back or just go find yourself a baby yoda they'll do everything excellent (laughs) what about you shane and they're so cute they are (laughs) where are you going off to um geez i gotta go i gotta think about 
Star Wars. <laughs> I gotta think about what what it's what it what it means to be what it's been. Uh, this is the this is a significant moment in in Star Wars. Uh, the end of the Skywalker saga, yeah. which hasn't hit me yet. It's hitting you like a quarter life crisis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Well, excellent. We'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in and leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker is property of Walt Disney Pictures, Lucasfilm, and Bad Robot Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, may the Force be with you.